Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, what's up? Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, and it is time to talk a little bit of drag racing. First off, I cannot thank you guys enough for joining us, whether you're tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, listening on Apple iTunes, or some other podcast platform. Please, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please know how much it means to us that you're here. You join us each and every Wednesday to talk drag racing. And man, we've got a deadly duo for you guys today. We've got heavy hitter, a couple of them. Oh my goodness. We've got uh, Ken Cartuccio fresh off a win at the biggest small tire drag race in the world. Donald Long's Lights Out 13 down at South Georgia Motorsports Park, just north of the uh, Florida border. We also I was going to call him Ken the Serial Killer Cartuccio, but I don't know how serious they are about that nickname. I don't know if that's his nickname. I don't know if that's the car's nickname. We'll, we'll get into that later today. Um, we also will be joined by top fuel pilot Mike Salinas. He's just days removed from a huge win to get his 2022 season uh, started on the right foot out at the NHRA Arizona Nationals. Very, very exciting and a, a really, really impressive kind of with all that happened this past offseason, it was kind of a come out of left field moment. I don't know that anybody was pointing at Mike Salinas to win a whole bunch of races early in the season as there was a little bit of crew chief dance, a carousel of guys moving and swapping around teams. Uh, Mike Salinas, the Scrappers Racing Team, they actually did a little bit of a crew chief swap with the gang at Coletta Motorsports. Rob Flynn joined Scrappers Racing, of course, this is well known. And Alan Johnson, Brian Hewson leave uh, Scrappers Racing and join, join the fold there at Coletta Motorsports. But I don't know that anybody was pointing to see pointing at Mike Salinas to be the guy that raised a bunch of eyebrows early in the season. I think we were waiting to see how things would shake out. Would they recover from that move? How would Rob Flynn uh, do in that role after all the moving around and getting accustomed to a new team? Well, clearly, the proof's in the pudding. They had a heck of a weekend out there in Arizona. We'll be talking with them. I believe, if I'm correct, and I don't have any notes in front of me, unfortunately, but I believe Ken Cartuccio will be joining us to kind of round out the first hour of today's episode. And then a little into second, uh, the second hour of the show, we'll be joined by Mike Salinas. Uh, of course, I got the boys with me, Mikey C. and Murder T. What's going on, guys? How goes it? Up, What's man? up, man? But new, new nicknames for everybody. I like that. We're yeah, going. We're, we got Bionic Buck for you. How's that? Bion yeah, let's, that's let's see the arm it, here, man. It's kind of how it feels, that's, man. It's yeah. Uh, everybody wants to know how the arm is doing. Oh, I, I got to tell you guys though, how crazy is it that it's the second day of March, right? Like it's yeah. that time again where all of a sudden there's more drag. People look at me and they're like, "Man, you guys do a three-hour show every week." Well, this is why. Because you can't get, you can't talk about it all. Like I guarantee you, we will be signing off this afternoon, high fiving everyone, hugging, and finishing up the show. And there will be things that we didn't talk about. Am I wrong? For sure. For sure. I mean, March comes up on you fast, dude. Yep. And the season is upon us in full swing with Gainesville coming up in two weeks. To me, that's really the, that's the the kickoff. The Easter, the East Coast uh, opener, opener, whatever you want to call it. But that race is huge. The NHRA Gator Nationals for me. 
and I'm not trying to say this to shortchange anything that's happened so far in 2022, obviously a lot of big races, but it really, I'm the same way, man. It's the start of the NHRA ProMod season. It's no secret that I'm a big ProMod guy. We're big ProMod guys collectively. And that has always been the start for me. But I think about, and let's, let's just take a minute. I, I'm not saying we need to do a moment of silence. Scratch that. We won't do a moment of silence. I thought about it, but I want to just wax poetic momentarily because think about this and I, and I will do this and include you guys in this. And real quick, I do want to remind everybody, smash that like button, smash that share button. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We need you to be a part of this movement. I, I got to tell you guys, how about this? Think about this. Just this past weekend, seriously, Drag Illustrated, your boys here, right? We had team members and girls, sorry, Nancy, sorry, Caroline, sorry, Paige, uh, boys and girls, your boys and girls here at Drag Illustrated. We had people, team members, we had Josh, Josh Hatchett and Dion Walrath out at the NHRA Arizona Nationals in Phoenix, Arizona, new photographer, Bob, right? New photog, Bob, three team members in Arizona. We had Chris Sears and Van the Man, Van, Handsome Vansom, the one and only. Everybody <laughs> loves Van, Van Abernathy down on the Man, scene. It, these meds they're giving you for the arm. It's just I like, know, right? I'm wound up like a physical is, woodpecker, bro. Uh, is is, is uh, rampant nicknaming. Rampant <laughs> nicknaming. I think yeah. nicknames are important. I really do. I, I latch on to stuff like that. But Handsome Vansom and Chris Sears down on the property at South Georgia Motorsports Park for the biggest small tire drag race in the world. Lights out 13. Hard to believe that deal's been around for 13 years. But anyways, we also had editor-in-chief Nate Van Wagen. No nickname there. Nitro Nate. What am I talking about? He's the original Nitro. nickname guy. Nitro Nate down at Bradenton Motorsports Park for Sport Compact evolution doing a little popping and banging spinning some front wheels hey that's um, big for us too dude it you was know? huge yeah. man yeah, being at a big import race in that stuff for uh, years right literally yeah. every yeah. every off season when we go to any of the trade shows when we go out west to sema uh or we we head to indianapolis for pri we always have someone in our ear like man there's big things happening in the in the sport compact world like this isn't over this is still going on and we saw proof of that this past weekend during victor alvarez's sport compact uh evolution and I mean, we also not an official part of the team, but a longtime contributor, Corey Stamper and the guys at Spooled Media, right? They're out there at Darlington Dragway for the Palmetto No Prep, the back of the track shootout that he throws, actually, yeah. creating and capturing content for us. I mean, we had people at like four or five different races this past weekend. And I'm not, look, bro, I'm not out here trying to get a pat on the back, but I want, I want you guys, I want my team to know we're doing big things. It's I think it's unheard of, to be honest with you guys. I really do. I think it's completely unheard of to see a singular media outlet covering things across the United States. I mean, somebody better have a stiff drink ready for me when I get my credit card bill this month. Because that, <laughs> yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. I mean, holy shit, man! That thing is going to be like it's going to be uh, it's going to be thick. I mean, it's going to be probably delivered though, to me in a binder. The rest of the team was plugged in as well. I mean, yeah. we had we had the Slack channel just burning up. We had right. We had Slack we had two life. TVs on and watching different races and and everybody commenting and yeah, the, because yeah, the three of us, in. the three of us weren't at any race. We kind of felt left out, right? So, yeah. but you know, well, we two things. And, and, uh, yeah, two things. I mean, you're right. And, I told Mike about this yesterday and I was like, man, I was just so proud of us. Like we we're all these different events and we were well represented in all these different places. And we got all these great people involved. And, you know, we, we preach this too. you hear it. Any team owner that we bring on here, any business owner that we bring on here, hell, probably any racer that we bring on here. The, 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 the message is quite consistent that the people that you're surrounded by make all the difference. Like the people on your team, the people that are in the foxhole with you 
they make the difference. And I was so proud of what took place this past weekend. And when I told Mike, Mike's like, yeah, man, I started kind of beating myself up and feeling bad. Like, shit, I need to go to Mooresville or something. You know, yeah. I need to go to a racetrack. But in all fairness, that was kind of the beauty of it, man. I hurt myself, you know, and I, I was getting a little bit concerned. Like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to travel here in the next couple of months as much as I want to. This deal is a little bit, I, you know, hand to God, I, I did not think this was going to be as big of a deal as it was. I thought it was like, oh, you know, no big deal. I'll be out and about doing my normal thing. And now they've got me like literally. That's it. That's all it'll let me move. Uh, yeah, you, that's it, go. right? You and I'm going to work on dude. some robot dance moves. <laughs> yeah. I know. Work on, but I was genuinely concerned. And when I told you about it yesterday, I'm going, you know, I think that's actually the beauty of this, that it we've is. got such a strong group of people here that even though we were at home and watching along online, great time for Flow Racing to show up over my shoulder. I mean, I was tuned in all weekend long. I had the Lights Out stream going all weekend long. I had uh, NHRA's app playing on my Roku, on my television, so I could watch the NHRA race. What a time to be alive, right? I'm thrilled by that, yeah. by the way. They love yeah. that. They're, they're working on ways to try to like hack the server that those apps run on. My <laughs> wife can tell what I'm watching by the announcer. She is like, she'll hear, hear Reinhardt, or I really had her spun out. Uh, I think it was Saturday, or it was Saturday. There was a lot going on at once. And I had my Reinhardt's in one ear, and I, I had the guys down there um, at Valdosta in, in my other ear, and all this noise going on. And it, it, it was a little bit seizure inducing. I apologize. But they, they dealt with it, they played along. And I got to be honest. There's always this talk online, and we'll let's let's talk about this briefly before we we get into the many other topics we've got to discuss. We really are lucky for everybody that loves to get on the internet, and that, the internet has almost become a place almost exclusively to be mad about something, which is unfortunate. But is it is what it is. But everybody gets on and bags about, oh, it's not loading. It's a blood. I don't care. My experience with Flow Racing this weekend was really positive. My experience with almost every one of these platforms has been really positive because I'm not so, I remember. I remember what it was like to buy a VHS tape from Scott Codill out there on the East Coast and pay 40 bucks for it or whatever, yeah. $7.99 to have it priority mailed to me for a big, big dog race or a Don Plemons quick eight race because I wanted to see what happened. I had to plug that VHS tape in I mean, I'm so, we're so spoiled. We're so spoiled. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of like the masses to complain about being able to watch drag racing live as it's happening from the comfort of your own home without having to buy a ticket. I mean, go back to what I was just talking about. We probably spent, God only knows how much money we spent. I don't even know. I don't want to know. And I hope Nancy never tells me how much we spent this past weekend going to races. This shit's expensive. Airfares higher yeah. than it's ever been. Probably hotels are higher than it's ever been. Probably gas prices up are up a dollar right now from where they were last year. I mean, it's it, this is a tough time to do business takes. out here, right? That's what but it you, takes is the willingness to make that investment. Because I was going to say, it, there's two parts to that deal we talked about earlier and being proud of having everyone at all of these events. It takes the investment to get everyone there and then the willingness and uh, enthusiasm of everyone to want to be a part of our group and contribute to what we're doing here. So it's kind of a perfect storm when we're able to align all those things and we're able to really make some hay as far as what we're covering. But it takes and both sides. And it's and, and you're gonna have mess ups. I mean, yeah. it's just gonna happen, right? I mean, the Dude, NHRA, we, we the NHRA typos, you know, right? who, I mean, it happened. Stream went down the first like weekend. Every you know? yeah, all the I mean, time. You know, and then they lost. They, they didn't have a link to it. You know, <laughs> I mean, you had to cut, contact customers. Yeah, service, it, so. if you could see what goes into yeah. making these productions happen. 
yeah, you would have more of an appreciation of it. That may be something we need to do a behind the scenes of what it takes to get an HRA TV or a flow racing broadcast, especially these tracks. Have you ever been yeah, to a drag strip and had a good message. cell signal? You're right. I don't think those two things don't go together. You basically I, enter a drag strip gates and lose all internet connectivity. I mean, think about Warren Evans. I got to give uh, some some kudos to Warren Evans. He actually let us latch on to his Wi-Fi during sick week when we were down in Gainesville and we did the show a couple of weeks ago. Warren Evans is in here with like a I mean, it looks like he could launch a spaceship with the control pad and everything (laughs) that he had and all these switches of various colors and different sizes. Uh, it, it was massively impressive, and he was providing the the live stream during sick week, resetting this whole rigmarole up at every event. You know, every track they went to, he and did, I'm thinking did, to myself, outstanding job, outstanding job. Yeah. But my point is, like, even the bad ones are pretty good. Like, I was watching uh, Corey Stamper's race live from somebody's iPhone, and it was pretty damn good. I mean, think about what our buddy the NC Pro Modder does, right? Going around all over the country, traveling, uh, pulling his his motorhome behind his trailer. He's what do like you call it? Three phones. He's, he's got, got three phones going. And like cool pads. And, and the, the, the quality is pretty cool. damn good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hey, it's way better than that VHS tape I used to have to pay 25, 30, 40 bucks for <laughs> and yeah. wait a month to get. I mean, I just think that sometimes somebody needs to grab our entire industry by the shoulders and just shake the shit out of them, like my dad used to do to me. You know what I mean? Just grab everybody and just shake them. Because like, man, get think about where we're at right now. Not The fact that there were 77 different races going on this weekend, paying good money, doing good things, providing a safe uh, atmosphere and a safe place to race for all these people, not to mention the stands being packed at a bunch of these events. The fact that that's happening, but the fact that it's happening and people can watch all around the world from the comfort of their own home via their smart device, a tablet, a cell phone. I mean, I was watching my Roku. I mean, shout out to Roku. Maybe they could sponsor us. But I mean, I was watching the Flow Racing app and NHRA TV's app on my big screen, right? Like the same television that I watch Yellowstone on. I was watching NHRA drag racing on live as it was happening, not 10 hours later, not Thursday, the Thursday after, I was watching this stuff as it unfolded. And I just think of how lucky we are in the fact that I've ever seen a crossword said about this stuff. I mean, I would gladly trade anybody their 150 bucks or their $99. You know what I mean? To, to, versus what we spent as a company going to a dozen different races this past weekend. I mean, I don't know. I see people buying $5 cans of energy drinks. I see people buying, you know, all whatever Don't else. Don't feel attacked, JT. I'm not. He, he I, mean, I drink them too. I drink them too. <laughs> I, I do. I drink me some sugar-free Red Bull. I drink I, me some sugar-free Monster to, Energy Drink. Uh, energy Drink. Trying to climb out the wall. Force. <laughs> oh, yeah. JT, for his, this isn't actually a funny little, uh, a little side nugget here. For all the alcohol he can drink, homeboy cannot handle caffeine. Okay. He can drink a gallon of Captain Morgan's. And like, be fine, literally. But if you give this dude two diet cokes or like two cups of coffee, he's sli- he's up for three days. That's crazy, isn't it? That's <laughs> mean, what we did to him. We got he got a lot done on sick week. I think it's because we were pumping caffeine at him. At one point, he was just <laughs> locked in. So that must have been the secret. 
Yeah, it yeah. goes silent for like an hour in the back yeah. of the truck while we were driving to the next stop. And I look back there and I'm like, man, uh, I wouldn't have had y'all come if I was just going to be in silence. This sucks. I'm already, can't you guys make fun of me or something I can't like normal? Watch the road when you're driving. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I got like blinders on. Oh, oh, Wes is like, I got yeah. one knee with the wheel, you know, he's texting. <laughs> I text a lot, man. It's a yeah. lot to keep up with, bro. I'm a mogul. No, I'm just joking. Um, but for real, though, to be to bitch about this at all is bananas i mean seriously it's i i get it and you know i know that i'm blessed and i know that we're blessed and but i mean i look at the racing industry all of this stuff is expensive i don't care if you're racing a motorcycle a junior dragster a top fuel dragster or somewhere in between this deal is expensive and the fact that you can spend 100 bucks on nhra tv and watch every race live plus all the other races all these old stuff all these other little things they do this fact that you can spend 150 bucks and subscribe to flow racing and watch all of that i mean they've got races on all the time even other types of racing and that sports I, yeah and all kinds sports of sport, or whatever yeah. and i'm not trying to make this isn't a sales no pitch. no not at all this is a reality check folks yep. i mean this is literally we need to hear this be a part of the solution, man. Be thankful for what we have because it is incredible. Because personally, we started this magazine, a drag, drag illustrated. We kicked our doors open in October of 2005. This is 16 years ago. This is before, you know, YouTube booming and Facebook. I mean, you had to have a .edu email address to even be on Facebook, right? When we started this magazine, I didn't have an account. And I'm, if you were an insider, that meant you were on some forums, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you got the inside information. And to think about all the stuff that we just talked about, how readily available the sport of drag racing is, complaining about it is completely insane. This is, of course, these technologies are going to fail. I was mad. Mike called me Monday. We were going to have some sort of powwow. And I was mad for a half hour because I couldn't get my AirPods to connect, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. I was all pissed off about it. Couldn't get my AirPods to connect to my phone because they were already connected to my iPad or my freaking laptop or whatever. I mean, like, repeat that. How? That's silly. Wes, come on, man. I mean, what, how much do you want of this technology? And I kind of look at our entire space and go, guys, gals, let's calm down. The fact that this is even possible is very, 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 very you impressive. Wait it came, came out in a magazine, right? Or newsletter. Or whatever. Absolutely, yeah, man. That's why National Dragster was like the Bible of drag racing for so long is because it's how you had to stay in the loop. They printed one a week, I think 48 issues a year uh, in their heyday. And it's like, that's how you kind of stayed connected to the sport of drag racing. Now, I mean, not to mention, there's still National Dragster. There's also Drag Illustrated, right? There's Drag Racing Scene, and there's all these Competition Plus and Drag Zine. And I mean, there's all these places to absorb drag racing content, right? Not to mention all these live streaming things. So I just, I was really blown away as bummed out as I was this weekend about my arm and not being able to travel because I had plans of going to Lights Out. And, but to be able to watch it all unfold, like, play by play, round after round, good or bad, late or early. I just felt very fortunate. I felt very grateful for all these people that are spending this money, all the sponsors that support these services, all the people that bounce around and do it, spend their own money to do it. It's pretty damn impressive, man. It really, really, really is. I'm surprised that Flow and an NHRA app doesn't send more push notifications. Yeah, I think the tech, there's, I think there is, this is the most exciting thing. And I reiterate this to our team a lot. You guys have heard me say this. The coolest thing about drag racing right now is the fact that this sport has been around for 70 years and there's still so much to do. 
There's still so much room for growth. I don't think that can be said with NFL. I don't think that can be said with NASCAR. I don't think that can be said with Formula One. I don't think that can be said with Major League Baseball or NBA. I mean, obviously, all of them have room for improvement and room to grow. But I personally don't think they have near this is fertile soil we're walking on here in drag racing. I mean, there's a long way for us to go as a sport and as a community, as an industry, which is really freaking exciting. And I think you're right, T. The moment when they get to the point where, because I've got human push notifications, I've got Dion Walrath out there in the staging right, lanes and, 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 and Slack, yeah, we're all like in Phoenix, and I'm because like, hey it's man, hard, it's hard to pay attention, and then you miss it, it and you're like, shit, what happened? You know, we do that. We, yeah, we, all we all jump at our watching, channel, right? Yeah, I text, a, uh, I text yeah. Dion and be like, hey man, when Pro Stock's in the lanes text me so I know to turn it on or, you know, Hey, RVW or limited drag radials up some and JT throws it in slack. Like, Hey, LDR is up. Uh, whenever that meets one of these apps, one of these streaming services, it's going to be bananas. And I've actually thought about doing it ourselves. There's yeah, so many text messaging that. apps that matter of fact, I think we should do it. Like, I don't mean to like let the cat out of the bag, but like, let's spend the next 30 days and figure that out guys. Like let's, we'll promote it here on the show. Text us. And we will text you when significant things happen on any of these streaming platforms. Because we're not married to any of them. We're obviously married to Flow. We have a great relationship with those guys. But we would we would happily you know spread the gospel of drag racing no matter I'll what it Mike's is. I'll put Mike's cell phone number in the yeah. in the chat here. I'll put Mike's direct number. Yep. Yep. Don't you think text we could pull that off? That's not hard. That technology is readily available. Yeah. Like, no, readily it is. Available. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's the next step, like you said. Um, I was going to, where was I? We've got a lot of racing to cover. And I know that in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by the one and only Ken Cartuccio, uh, fresh off a huge win at Lights Out 13. I think let's just start there, guys. JT, throw it to, to full screen on the three of us. Let's uh, all join the party here and we'll start diving into the, we, we've got a lot to cover on Phoenix as well. Where yep. do you guys want to start? Mike, Mike, I'm going to let you pick. Do you want to start with Lights Out? There's a lot of storylines there. Uh... Yeah, yeah, we let's start there. Okay, let's start with uh, lights out. First off, overall impression. I mean, we can go around the room. I think that this was like the most, it felt like this was, um, and maybe not entirely for all the right reasons, but there was a lot of social media fodder about lights out 13, yep. and it kind of felt good. It, it felt like it had been a myth since there had been this much buzz. And I mean, I think some of it was, you know, there were some issues or whatever, and people were fired up about this, that, and the other. But there was a lot of positive things as well. Just people excited to see this brand of racing kind of getting the season started. Uh, we saw some big runs. We saw a lot of controversy. It was an interesting year uh, or an interesting running of this event. Uh, I think I'll dive right into all these, common, all these comments about uh, the track prep and as someone who's been involved with a lot of drag racings, a lot of drag racing events, I've put them on, I've run racetracks. I've been around this for a long time. I, I refuse to throw the, like the track prep guys under the bus. I just, it's too hard to work. It's too backbreaking. Especially a job. It's, well, that at that race specifically, specifically. It's, it's the expectations. It, it is. The expectations it's not the track. Are, it's the expectations. Yeah, that it is the really, problem. really is. And I do think we're going to have to, at some point face this issue head on is that we've got to find some sort of happy medium, right? We've got to find some sort of middle ground because I don't think it's realistic to run these cars exclusively at night. I really don't. And early or late in the year or yeah, early and late in the year, or we're going to have to kind of allow it to just be this once twice a year, special circumstances deal, but that's or, problematic. Or, or, or we're going to have a bunch of qualifying runs 
in the conditions that where we're not racing but you know that that was that's kind of a big deal too you know yeah. and, and it is what it is but you know i mean if you're going to race at in these conditions you know then, then have your qualifiers somewhat in those conditions too i would think because i think that was you know i talked to uh, a handful of racers over the course of the last few days right and a lot of, that was a lot of what i was hearing is that the issue that they felt existed you know and nobody really wants to be the one that comes out and say this stuff i mean obviously there's some i will man it was hard to watch that race i mean nobody was getting down side by side it well, was just chris, hard to chris watch chris sears has a good point here some great pedal fest races I agree yeah, with that, that, but you only get that on Sunday. You only get that in eliminations. We're not right. doing that in qualifying. And that race is <laughs> very heavy on qualifying. So I, I just think that that, the expectations of it, and this is this is where we are with, and what our argument is with radial racing being such a niche deal that you can only race at before noon or after 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. and only early and late in the year. And that, to me, limits just limits that especially rvw it's why that class is in the position it's in and, and i think the, the focus has shifted to the other classes that we've talked about and we've said this we've said this for a long time but it's a damn shame that that race is not finished on saturday night or at least at least your headline classes in front of that huge fucking crowd you know it and then it's you know it's ended up finishing on sunday in front of you know less a crowd, crowd yeah a crowd but 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 I mean, it's packed. It's packed to the gills, dude. I mean, and that was one night. of the things. Like looking yeah. at those photos of the grandstands, and I know, like, it's polarizing the blue and yet blue and green paint. But I mean, like, dude, it was covered up. I mean, that place was packed. And, and say what you want, but there were a lot of race fans down there on the property at South Georgia Motorsports Park, and it's impressive to draw that kind of crowd so consistently. I mean, it really is it rare nice air to give a show, in the sport though. of drag racing. And I agree with you. That's yeah. that's where I was headed. That's because where the scrutiny came from. When and it's the, packed the out on social media, when it's packed out, I think that you've got to you, you've got to deliver the goods. Right. And we saw some big runs. I mean, we would it would be criminal not to talk about Jason Lee. I actually spent some time on the phone earlier this week with Eric Gustafson, who also drives that car, owns the team. Uh, wonderful guy. But what a deal, man. I mean, and I, I said this to him and I'll say it here and now. Thank God that run happened because it really that was like the Herculean, the big thing that Lights Out has always produced, whether it was a car, Dwayne Mills vertical, um, all the Stevie Jackson flying through the air. That race is so well known and so closely associated with like a singular thing. It's not about I mean, it is, but it, it's not about everything that happened. It's about the one thing that happened. And I think thank God Jason Lee made that 349 run. Because this this year's running, if we're talking Turkey and we're being candid and honest here, I think we would have felt, you know, despite some great racing, a huge congrats, obviously, to Ken Cartuccio for winning RVW. And I thought we saw some great racing, saw some record set and some big runs in X275, Pro 275. We saw our buddy Woody go some rounds. I mean, limited drag radial. I mean, what a show those guys put on. I mean, I think Lots that... Cars. I mean, tons of cars yeah. really closely uh, packed together. Huge shoot shout out to... To everybody involved with that deal, Jason Rukert, Tyler uh, Cross, Snow, John Sears. I mean that 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 class. I've got a I've got a completely separate argument to make about LDR, and I will in a second. But thank God that moment happened. Thank God we saw Jason Lee go that three forty nine. But how? I'm going to ask you this, Mike, as a racer yourself and someone who's probably made that walk to the tower or alongside your dad, Charles Carpenter, or somebody to like complain or or to have an issue, right? Is it hard to make an argument about the track when you see a guy go 349? 
right? Because I mean, that I, you saw it on social media. Like as soon as it happened, Donald Long's posting it on social. You know, take a bite out of that three forty nine. And, and is that nobody complained for the rest of it to to not be there? Yeah, you know what it's, I mean. We always said, I mean, in our experience, you couldn't go by just one car. You had to look at the average. You had to look at the rest of the field, and that's even harder to say in yeah. in radio racing because it is it's all or nothing. It's home run or we're spinning the tires within as soon as the car's moving. So it, it's hard to say. And, and I just think, like you said, the, these races, a lot of times we even struggle to remember who won. And it's all about, you know, like you said, Dwayne Mills or, or Stevie or somebody flying through the air or some other crazy moment or, or a record. And if that doesn't happen, then we're left kind of going, well, what was what stood out about this year's event? And it, it goes back to our whole argument about radio racing being the home run hitting, you know, less focus on racing. It's just not sustainable. And the whole part where the expectations of the track prep are such that what we saw this weekend, I mean, that that used to happen quite a bit. That used to happen back in the day whenever, you know, if 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 maybe even they, they switched traction compounds. Maybe there was a new tire compound that Goodyear came out with and everyone was You've trying seen to get it a hold of. Yeah. You've seen these things happen, but it's almost, it's unacceptable now. And now we're going to rage on the internet. And, you know, I can see both sides of it, but I just think that the expectations of where the, where that kind of racing has gone creates that situation. And it's, it's uh, something that I think both sides are going to have to deal with and figure out which way to move forward. I think we've already seen Donald do that a little bit with the, the radio uh, series that, that he's got going. So there, he's, uh, there are already some things in motion to address it, in my opinion. But this is also why I think no prep, no prep kings, even just traditional slick tire pro mod racing has come back around. You know, I really agree, those, man. When you put those, I mean, and I guess some of the complaints would probably be because there is so much track prep that, you know, and they're still blowing the tires off, right? So we've sat and waited for 20 minutes and they're still spit, you know. But spinning. it's because they're, and, those cars and, are, they, oh, can't, no, they don't I, detune no, them. I, they can't I, detune I, them. Yeah, I, I get just, it. But yeah. it's like, you know, and I guess you don't realize, I mean, I, I realized this week and you had both races up, you know, on the big screen. You have NHRA over here and you got lights out over here. And it's amazing. Like we've already ran through two classes here. We've ran one car over here. I will tell you, and and this is a great opportunity to kind of, I saw somebody say on social and JT, you and I have talked about this a lot. I saw a comment on social that like, you know, radio racing is missing uh, some of their stars, right? Because they've, they've, they're they're missing some of their Keith Berry's. They're missing the the Stevie Fast Jackson's. They're missing Dwayne Mills. They're missing Mark Mickey. They're missing a lot of these guys that were really willing dance partners, guys that were willing to do the interviews to, to be somewhat outspoken or to kind of embrace their personality uh, or what have you. But it's, I heard people saying things like, well, they've, they've moved, they've moved on or they, they've left this behind. I think that we have to recognize, and it was never more apparent than it was this past weekend. Dude, the NHRA is the big leagues. We have to quit. There is an ongoing kind of screwed up identity crisis that I think exists pretty much everywhere below the NHRA that like, we're just like them. Our deal's just as good as that, or we're almost as big as the NHRA. No, you're not. <laughs> I, no, you're not. And NHRA does an incredible job of managing that number of cars and running that number of classes under a tight schedule, a TV schedule. The way they're able to do that is it's impressive. Yeah, is highly underrated, and that's what your JT, the, your point that you started this conversation about. That's what you're seeing. 
It is. And they're it's, the it, best. And you don't you don't realize it though until like yeah. I guess I never really paid that much attention until I mean I knew that, that it's a little slow, you know. And I love radio racing. I, you know, I always have. But you know, when you had them side by side, it's really apparent. Well, that's and, how and national events talking. were always run, man. I can remember the car in front of you is staging. Like as soon as that thing breaks the beams, the guy's telling you to start your burnout. You're like, you know, let's maybe yeah. to make sure. Yeah, this let's guy let, let's let him make the turn, right? right. Let's let him make the turn off. You know, I mean, but they, they that's really what is required, yeah. right? I mean, that's what I think is required. You know, for the NHRA to be the NHRA, but I do get a little frustrated because. I think that people want to believe or want to tell themselves and it's, and it's hard to argue with them because it's like dealing with an athlete. I think you have to think you're be the best in the world, right? I think you have to think you're the best in the world. It, you know, if you're an up and coming boxer, your record may not reflect that you're the best in the world, but you have to believe it yourself. But I think that there's like a fine line between high level confidence and high level self-belief and being delusional. Right. Like being completely have com a completely warped perspective. And I mean, and the fact of the matter is the NHRA is drag racing's professional leagues. It's the pro level series. And I just I think that we have to accept that there's a place for all these other different types of racing. And I'm not trying to say they don't they don't matter or they're not as significant. But I do think that we have to at some point kind of recognize but that they're doing things at an extremely high level. They've been doing them for a really, really, really long time. And for some series or sanction or singular, singular event to pop up and be around for even 10 or 15 years or two years or whatever and try to contend or go toe-to-toe -to -toe with that, it's, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. What you're seeing too, JT, like that comparison is these other series, NHRA is viewed sometimes as not being racer-friendly and it's things like that, like – rushing you through, you know, rushing the turnaround, making sure that everything's on schedule is viewed as not being racer friendly. These other series and races that are individual deals are usually built on come race with us. We're racer friendly. So some of that includes, oh, yeah. we'll let you take as long as you need to, to get your car fired up <laughs> yeah. and back up. And if, you know, I mean the whole deal and that's viewed as being more racer friendly yep. at the sacrifice of the show. And it's yeah, tough because you can't, you can't have it both ways, right? right? Yeah. That's the hardest part is it's like, okay, are we going to be, you know, outlaw and kind of loosey goosey and reprep the track in the middle of a round of racing and you know what I mean? Decide to rerun the, that. And that's all well and good. But if we're going to do those things, we also have to accept the fact that this is a tier below pro level drag racing that's happening you know, that happened this past weekend at the NHRA uh, Arizona Nationals, right? I mean, it's just a different level of drag racing. There's no doubt well, about it. And it doesn't mean, you know, that these the other the day, things though, aren't significant. At the end of the day, though, I still want to see some good side-by-side -side passes in racing. You know, that's, I, yeah, and, that's what and, they've got to figure does. out. That's what yep. they've got to figure out about that deal. But our next guest can uh, shed some more yeah. insight on it for us. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm excited right now because I've, I've, I admittedly do not know or haven't known this gentleman very well, but I feel like I've rapidly gotten to know him over the course of the last month or so. I think you know who I'm talking about. Drag Illustrated's inaugural Outlaw Racer of the Year, winner of Radio vs. the World, a, a big victory that has kind of eluded him throughout his career. Uh, got the job done this past weekend down at SGMP, the one and only Ken Cartuccio. Ken, welcome to the show, man. How you doing, guys? What's up, Ken? What's up, Ken? Congratulations. Thank you. We, we should have given him a rousing applause. Let me do that again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
the Boys one, the only, Ken Cartuccio. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Oh, my God. I can't believe you're here. Dude, I, I know you're probably doing all sorts of media tours and publicity uh, outings. Hardly leave your house. Uh, tonight show later the tonight. tonight right? show, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Good morning, America. Tomorrow morning, is that correct? Paparazzi that? camped yeah. out front, right? <laughs> this guy just won Radio Verse the World. I, I know you're contending with a lot, so thanks a bunch for giving us a little bit of time, man. Uh, let me preface this by saying... Ken, very impressive performance, qualified number four with a 363 with a seven, uh, got past a couple of tough guys, Paulo uh, Juiced, um, uh, Jason Lee, who we talked about a minute ago, going 349, and then in the final took out Brian Markowitz, another guy that's been a big part of the small tire scene for a long time. Both y'all had to pedal. You ended up getting the win with a 376 with a four. You've been running this lights out race for a long time. I don't know that you've been at every one of them, but you've been a consistent, uh, you've been a staple down at SGMP for these big radio races for as long as I can remember. What was it like to finally get it done? Uh, it was such a relief. I tell you, the, uh, we, we won no mercy before, uh, we won the magic eight the other, uh, a couple months ago, but, uh, it was such a relief. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, if you would have asked me that morning, I didn't think we had a chance, uh, you know, I was feeling okay about it, but uh, John Sears, he just keeps telling me. Every time I see John Sears, I tell you, this guy, he deserves a lot of credit because he, he keeps telling me, just stay focused, stay focused. Even even in Pro Mod down in Florida, he was like, just stay focused, do your job, do your job. And uh, I guess I, I got a lot to learn, but uh, if racing this long, you think I would figure it out, but finally get that win. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Well, it's funny because I tell people all the time and I was so glad Robert Height in his top end interview at the NHRA Arizona nationals, I was watching along online and he said, and he looked right into the camera, Ken, and he goes, it is so hard to win one time, let alone doing it two times in a row. And I think that's kind of the point you're making. I, I oftentimes don't know that people really understand I mean, it's hard to win a couple games of tic-tac-toe, right, in a row, let alone win five elimination rounds in a drag race in a car that makes 5,000 horsepower at varying times of the day. The challenge, you cannot, you really can't overstate it. It's so significant. So I agree. Like you start, how hard is it to stay focused and to get that job done? You may run one round at six in the morning and one round at six at night or somewhere in between. It's such a moving target, man. What does that say about the group of people uh, that you have around you? Whenever we had you on uh, the show a couple weeks ago, I guess actually during the, the DI Awards show, when you, during your acceptance speech, you were quick to point out like Jamie Miller. I know he lives right down the road, a longtime friend of yours, but you've got a crew of guys that have given you a killer race car for a hot minute. I mean, is it considering all those variables? I mean, you, you can't do it without them, right? No, no, not even close. And, and if I look back, you think about it, September, uh, we went to, uh, we ran a Northeast Pro Mod race and then we changed the motor in the Pro Mod, went to Shakedown, uh, won that with Pro 275. Then we went to NMCA, runnered up in Pro Mod. Then we went to uh, uh, Shakedown or whatever that, uh, another race. I mean, we, we've been in seven finals in the last seven races. And it, it's it's the guys. It's it's not me. I mean, if anything, you know what I mean? I'm probably a hindrance because I'm so, so hard on myself with the driving. And, and I'm more of a 
half empty guy versus a half full guy. All my crew, Jamie and everybody, uh, I'll be honest with you, when we were racing Jason Lee right before we went up there, I was ready to take the canopy down, you know, and start packing up. And <laughs> these guys are like, you know, oh, we can do this. We can do this. And I said, oh, I'm going to go out there and I try as hard as I can every time. I, you know, I, I figure I owe them that. And uh, these, these races down there, I tell you what, Ducks races, you look at the guys, Ron Rhodes, Dean Marinas, Jason Lyons, Stevie Fast. You don't go dominate this series down there because, number one, you have the number one qualifier curse that gets everybody in trouble. Yeah. I hate to say it, but that's – I felt so bad for Jason Lee and, and Ron Rhodes and all these guys when that happens. But you qualify at the, at the different time. You run eliminations in a different time. The track changes so much. It's 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 the hardest race, and people won't believe me, but I'm telling you, that's the hardest race to win in one of Doug's races. I agree, and I honestly, I think it's that moving target that that makes it. Every drag race is a challenge, and I always try to like. Anytime I start talking about how uniquely challenging something is, I'm not saying those things to to make light of other classes or other races, but you're you're hitting the nail on the head, Ken, because lights out. That's a different animal down there. Right. I mean, it really is. The, the cars are obviously on the ragged edge. It re they require a, a very, very good tight racetrack out there to make a run regardless, whether it's a 349 or a 369. It takes a lot of racetrack to pull it off. And then you, you put it, you, you combine the fact that it starts on Wednesday or whatever, and you're running the car all week. I used to call it a war of attrition because it was really more about having a car that would start and idle come Sunday than it was having the fastest car. Can you talk to us a little bit about those challenges of racing at different times? I mean, uh, sometimes I think for as much as everybody seems to enjoy like complaining about it on the internet, I don't seem, I don't see too, I don't see a dwindling interest necessarily. I mean, you see a lot of heavy hitters down there with really fast cars. We saw a, a tremendous crowd on Saturday. Is that moving target is that what makes it fun a little bit or makes it a unique challenge because you never know what you're going to get into when you roll through the gates of South Georgia Motorsports Park? Well, yeah. So you, you think about it, a couple different things. One, I've been very fortunate in racing. You know, I, I've won Shakedown a couple times. I won Snowbirds a couple times. I won U.S. Street five times in a row. I've won every race except for Yellow Bullet, and I struggle at Ducks races. So that tells you, Everybody wants to do good at Ducks. That's why everybody goes to Florida and tests. That's why everybody goes there on Monday and starts testing. Because that race is so hard because the, everything is, it just changes. So I went at it this year a little differently. I said, I'm not going to test. I'm not going to go to Florida. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to show up on Thursday. I didn't even show up on Wednesday. Wow. I actually, I didn't want to do anything except unload the car and go right to Q2. And uh, luckily, Jamie, you know, gave in to me on that and, uh, <laughs> because I believe if you go to Florida and you spend a week ahead of time in Florida, you're really putting the. Jason Lee told me to just right. They went to Florida. They tested going fast. What got Jason Lee, I believe, was his car was so fast he couldn't slow it down enough to. So testing really hurt him. And. Uh, we didn't test. We just worked on our slow stuff. And, and once E1 happened, uh, we tried something with the car, staging it in a different spot that was really unorthodox, and it worked. 
And we said, you know what? We're going to do that all weekend long. Trying to stay on glue, on good, on fresh glue more than, Jamie, more than likely. Jamie said to me that Monday, he goes, listen, he goes, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't have some white paint on the side of your car when you get to the end of the track. But he goes, I promise you it's going to go down. And I said, whatever you want to do, let's try it. And we put that car right up against the wall and it went to 68, which was low of the round. And uh, at that point, I thought if I didn't get Jason at night, which I thought we might, I said, we're going to be in pretty good shape because I knew uh, Markowitz was fast in, in the heat. And I knew Jason struggled a little bit. And once the quali- once things slowed down and I knew Jason was going to be during the day Sunday, I thought we were in pretty good shape against him. Yeah. I mean, you think about the guys that are there and that, that any given minute they seem they can throw down the gauntlet. Right. But that, I think that's a really interesting strategy that I wonder if that will pick up because man, that home run hitting, it's fantastic. And it does, it, it gets the headlines and it gets the buzz, but you know, the gang here and I, we've bitched about that for years because we like we re- we really have a genuine appreciation, and I'm not downplaying the significance of a record run, but going rounds and and s- turning on wind lights, man, that's in my opinion, that's that's how you win a championship. That's how you become a, an icon. That's how you're here, you know, for a long, long, long time. So we have a, a unique appreciation for winning races, varying conditions. I want to talk briefly about Jamie Miller. You and I have had a handful of conversations off the record uh, about Jamie and his contribution. And I, I think people, because I think people hear us right now on the show and in the future when they listen to this, will be like, Jamie, Jamie, who, who are they talking about? Well, we're talking about Jamie Miller. And Jamie Miller is someone who I, I believe is kind of slept on in our industry as a world-class crew chief. I think that there's been some of these guys, and they've certainly deserved it, get so much ink and get so much publicity that he hasn't really gotten his due. And I'm hoping on the heels of this big win for you and the team down in, uh, in Valdosta, along with the outlaw racer of the year award, I hope we're able to, to really start to shine a light on Jamie, because when I look at the crew, the, the fly in higher gun tuner game right now, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Ken, but he's probably one of the only ones that could like put a car, like start to finish, weld it, Put it on a chassis jig, build a car, put a motor in it, fix the motor, tune the car. He can do it all. He's a he's a real Swiss Army knife out here. Am I wrong? Oh, no. I'm a big fan of the Millers. I'm a big fan of Jamie. I've been for a long time. I knew him when he was a kid. He'd come by my shop and uh, you know look around really? and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. When he was in his early twenties, because he's it. not very old right now, is he? Uh, he's well, he's probably not much younger than me. He's probably in his late forties. Okay, he's still a young guy. Yeah, he's a young guy. So, uh, but he was building cars back then, and he did work for me back twenty five years ago. And uh, I think the thing that the only thing that makes him so where he's not, because uh, I think he's as good as Steve Petty. I think he's as good as anybody out there. I'm a big fan of his. But because his love for radio racing is probably the only thing stopping him from being a crew chief on a pro stock team or a whatever. I don't even know. Top fuel, whatever. Because he loves radio racing so much. And that's where he grew up. And that's that's where he cut his teeth on. And this year uh, with the ProMod deal, we did really good. And, you know, it really showed at the end of the year. We really got that car and that car. You know, he worked every weekend. He works on the car at his house. So after a race, he'll go there and tinker around with it and do stuff. But he can do 
he'll do four lick. He'll do if the header's got to get welded. There's nothing on a car that Jamie can't do. I mean, he he just he's the best at it. I think it's interesting because it's it, there's again not firing a shot across the bow here. Everybody, calm down. I mean, my phone will melt down in a minute. But a lot of these modern day tuners are more about you know they're bringing a laptop mat with them so they don't scratch up the roof of the car, you know, and they're throwing that down and opening up the laptop and banging keys. And I get it. Absolutely. An important part of it. But I do think it's kind of something of a lost art to be the guy that can like bust out a welding helmet, right. And fix those headers or, uh, you know, yank a head off of something. I mean, I've seen a lot of these tuners not naming names or anything, but they're not diving into a a swap engines. You know, you, your guys do that. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure. And Hey, Obviously, it works. It's a recipe for success. But I remember Warren Johnson, when the the tides were kind of turning in the pro stock landscape, he was one of the first guys to get really vocal about, well, now there's a lug nut specialist, uh, a left cylinder head specialist, a clutch specialist. And, you know, Warren Johnson came from a time when one, maybe two guys did it all, you know, and I and I'm not saying we need to go back and I, I certainly don't want to go back in time, but it is refreshing when you encounter someone like Jamie who has that wealth of knowledge and experience and, and know-how. I, I think it's cool and it's fun to see him having the success that he's having right now. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And he's, he's him, Petty, Josh Ledford. Those are the guys. I think the reason they do so good is because they're going to they're gonna move weight. They're going to give it limiter. They're going to adjust the struts right in the lanes. They're not thinking about it because they already their gut tells them what to do, and that's why I think the pro-line guys do so good is because they'll jump right in there and, and make those decisions. It's not just, oh, I do power management, I do air fuel, I do traction control. They're doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what's your take right now on, you know, kind of the status of, we talked a few years ago here on, on the show just about how there was this kind of new age happening right before our eyes of purpose-built door slammers where you could call up, you know, Rick Jones or, or whoever, Jerry Bickle, you could call the, the chassis shops ring a phone line and build a car, you know, a, a pro mod car that you could race in a variety of different places, right? You can run mm-hmm. some big independent races. You can run PDRA. You can run Northeast Outlaw Pro Mods. Hell, you can run NHRA. You run the Carolina series. There's all these series. Uh, and But there was also, you could change four-link bars, change shocks, put radials on it, take the bars off, and go to run Ducks Race. Or before that, you know, uh, or during whenever they still had it, NMCA had radio wars for a while. You could do a lot of damned racing. It feels like the the tide's turning a little bit. We're seeing all these guys that were spending most of their weekends radio racing putting big tires on. Kind of leads me to my next question. Will your focus in 2022 be big tire racing, or what's the the next few months look like for your team? Well, it's it's kind of the number one thing we want to do is we want to run for a championship and we want to do it in pro mod. So Jamie and I, we talked about it with all our guys, Johnny, Dennis, Gary, everybody got involved and we talked about it. And uh, I think we're just going to concentrate on pro boost at PDRA this year. Uh, there's probably a good chance I won't go to the sweet 16. And uh, from there, uh, we'll just start out with Pro Boost and, you know, we'll do shakedowns and the yellow bullets and a lot of Northeast Pro Mod. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to put radials back on the car, to be honest with you. Well, it's you kind of and this is I mean, we've seen it happen before. Keith Barry all but one lights out and hung it up. Right. I mean, and I remember having a phone conversation with him and he told me, he goes, man, I just I got to be honest. Like there's it's hard. There's not. That was what I always wanted to accomplish. That that was what I started out wanting to do is win the big one. 
he did it. And it's like, I, I know that I don't have the, I, I don't want to go run top fuel. I don't want to run pro stock. And, and at the time pro mod wasn't as hot as it is right now. I mean, he ended up hanging it up. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that because you've secured a win at the biggest small tire race there is and will likely ever be, or at least for the foreseeable future. It's not a huge shock to me. So I'm, I'll am i ask this question. Do you sense that? I mean, man, like 50 cars at the Snowbird Nationals, like 60-something at the U.S. Street Nationals. Everybody is building a big tire car. Mark Mickey's got a big, a brand new car coming out. We saw Mark Woodruff with his car. He had radials on it this past weekend, but I know that car is destined for a lot of big tire competition. Are big tires and bars back? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love ProMod. I, I just... I don't know. I, the, the the real problem is there's so many good places to race yeah. for good money, and that's one of the biggest problems we have because we we looked at the schedule. We could go to Shake That, or we could go to Sweet Sixteen in two weeks. A week after, we could go to Bradenton and run NMCA. A week after that, we go to start PDRA, and then Northeast is right behind that. There's so many places to race right now. That's not even counting the guys in the Midwest. You know. Uh, I talked to a couple of people that were talking about they're going to run a lot of Midwest this year. Man, so. I think that the people are, I got to be honest, 10,000 to win. What is it? Eight times a year. I mean, really good rule set. Uh, yeah. They go to great tracks. I mean, especially if you're not out on the Eastern seaboard, it's an extremely solid option. I mean, and that's where we're skipping over NMCA Extreme Pro Mod. There's a lot of places to race these cars right now. Uh, and it's exciting, man. I, I think it's a genuinely, or excuse me, generally positive thing, to be honest. Oh, yeah. ProMod is the best thing going right now. And I, and I want to be part of it. I don't know how many more years I want to race as much as I think we raced like 25 weeks last year. I don't know. Holy cow. That much. But uh, this year, I want to I wanna just concentrate on ProMod. I'm committed to the Franklins and Tyler Crossno. I want to run PDRA. I'm going to 100% do that whole series. That is, I know, is a fact. And and then what happens from there, I don't know. But uh, ProMod is, I'm telling you what, that, we went to World Street Finals. There was like 50 cars there, <laughs> five rounds of racing. Then we went to Shake Down, uh, Snowbirds, and then US Street. I mean, you're talking, there was 50, 60 cars at every race. And the racing is so competitive that a lot of it is on the driver. And a lot of it uh, is on the crew, and it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to to be in the lanes and talk to Todd Tuttle. For me, these are a lot of guys that I looked up to, Jim Halsey's and all these guys. Yeah, man. Uh, I want to finish out. That's I have unfinished business over there, and I think Jamie Miller feels the same way. Was, was, you know, he raced NHRA Pro Mod for a bunch of years. Yeah, with Michael Beely, who's who's another guy that I really miss seeing out yeah. here. And I that yeah. was a team that people would kind of overlook every once in a while. Like I'd see that name on the list and I'm like, Hey man, he's a threat. Cause you never know between those two when they may throw down low ET. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. It's exciting to hear. And I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing you as part, uh, seeing you out on the PDRA tour this year. We're big fans of what they've got going on out uh, on the East coast, Tyler cross, no Tommy and Judy Franklin, incredible place to race. I mean, we've, we've been kind of involved with that series since the day one. So I'm looking forward to seeing you out at the East coast nationals. What is it? April 7th through 9th, the first race of the season. It'll be here before you know it, man. Hard to believe. I know. And that's, that's kind of what's holding me up on the sweet 16 deal is because it's too close. It's really hard to get parts right now. Luckily pro line is really good at getting parts when you need them, but 
you know, rods and valves and stuff are going to start becoming an issue for everybody. And uh, I, I just, I don't want to run PDRA because you think about it last year, uh, Daniel Ferris, uh, Randy Weatherford, uh, Rivenbark, that championship was settled by one round. It's crazy. That's crazy. So I want to be part of that. And, and I want to race those guys and, and see where we stack up at the end of the year. And I don't want to water down the, the program by trying to run too many races. I mean, it speaks to really, this is a great way to round this out because John Sears, you know, a big time friend of the show, friend of ours here at Drag Illustrated, somebody, another guy that doesn't get, I don't know that he could get enough credit, to be honest, for his contribution to our sport, specifically small tire racing. But John Sears, is, is his uh, advice probably rings true right now. You got to focus, right? You got to focus on something and pursue that championship, man. And we're excited for you. It's been great to get to know you a little bit. Uh, thank you for what you do for the sport of drag racing. If we didn't have guys like you out here spending money, spending tires, um, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike, JT, the whole entire world, let's give it up. Ken Cartuccio. Thanks, brother. Appreciate thank you being you here, man. Seriously. Thank you so much for everything you guys do. No problem, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, guys, we're headed into uh, wrapping up the first hour of today's episode of the West Buck Show. Again, I want to thank you guys for being a part of this. Seriously, it's great talking to Ken. It's going to be fantastic talking to Mike Salinas. It's great talking to everybody that cares about drag racing. But the most important people that are involved with this whole rigmarole, it's you guys. It's the guys and gals in the comments. Click and share, click and like. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Remember, we will close out hour three with our... Uh, What's it called? DI After Hours, right? Our live Q&A session. So if you've got a comment, you got a thought, you got an opinion, something you feel strongly about, throw it in the comments and we will do our best to touch on it. I want to remind everybody that each and every episode of The West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts from creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your lawnmower, your motorcycle, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about our buddies at Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. Let's get this second hour of the show started. JT, Mikey C, what do you guys think of that, man? Pretty interesting conversation with our, with our buddy, the serial killer. I didn't get to ask that, and I can't <laughs> yeah, decide yeah, if he yeah. chose that name or if somebody else did, and I was worried about, like, putting it in the caption like because what if somebody goes to google like what if bloomberg right. is going to like interview him about his business in two years and they search it up and they find this article on drag illustrated about ken the serial killer cartuccio i'm yeah, like are you eh. getting banned you getting yeah, banned get from facebook two weeks or something yeah, yeah that'd, be, that, that'd certainly be my luck man yeah. but, interesting uh, to see what he had to say about promod and his right uh, affinity for pro mod you ask him are big tires and bars back and he was like hell yeah oh yeah and i mean yeah, that's yeah. just that's i think that's i think that's where we are and it's interesting to, see, to hear the guy that just won lights out 13 the biggest radio race of the year say he's not putting radios back on the car the rest of the year so it's really kind of just where this deal is because that's where you've got to go race for the rest of the season i mean there's nowhere to have those radials on for the rest of the year well and, i mean and it's it's interesting because I think what we're going to see unfold is that because JT and you both made this point earlier in the show that like there's a radial championship series like Donald Long's new radial outlaws series that he's, you know, teamed up with a bunch of different racetracks and put together this points earning championship tour. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be successful. It's already been successful. I've talked to a, a slew of racers that are committed to trying to win what will like guys be like guys like Ken don't don't seem they, I know they, it's 
they don't seem like that's what they want to do. And I don't know what about Jason Lee and these and these other big hitters, but it just it's it's interesting to see it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. And uh, this is going to be the first year where where you're going to have that competition with that series. So and and um, this is a good opportunity for us to discuss just briefly how we we've taken we've heard about this a lot like hey are you guys doing the world door slammer nationals this year what's happening with that what this is why to be honest with you guys one of the main reasons is because there's so many great races yeah. i mean there are so many options right now and we're in a weird time i mean i don't know about you guys but i mean my wife couldn't find cat food the other day she went to the grocery <laughs> store and apparently there's like a cat food storage or shortage um avocados are illegal now i think um, you, you know, there's all <laughs> these things happening in the world. And I've heard from a multitude of engine builders about, hey, I've got 10 motors all laid out, ready to go together, but I'm missing this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. We're going to run into that before the end of the season. Before the end well, of the like season, that said, is going to be a problem. As people start to need parts, as they start to tear stuff up, that's where we're going to see it. Well, and that's why I think it's even more significant. I'm glad... As much as you guys know how much I love to throw a party, I want to put on a race as bad as I want to take my next breath. However, <laughs> I don't know that it's helpful at this point in time, man. I mean, there's a lot of great places to race. I mean, we listed off. I mean, we could fill up sheets of paper with the amount of good people and great places to race, great tracks, great purses, great rule structures. I mean, there's a lot of fantastic opportunities that exist in heads up drag racing right now. And to throw another option into the ring I don't know that it would be helpful. I think it may be more of a hindrance, especially to T's point in July when you can't get a set of connecting rods. Maybe you you can't get some pistons. You can't get whatever. You know, I'm not trying to single out like engine manufacturers or hard. No, it's parts, everything. I mean, but we it's going to be conversation everything. in MPMC. You know, with with the uh, with Pro Charger. You know, and they like what was it in the last year? They they had like the last bearing. You know, and it was sitting on Ken's oh, desk yeah. and nobody was going to touch it, you know, just in case. You know, yeah. <laughs> One of their championship contending teams yeah, needed right. it. Jose, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. To think about those type of situations, it's inevitably going to happen. We're going to be faced with that at some point this year. So I do think that that's probably perhaps one of the biggest double-edged swords that exists in the sport right now. So many great places to race. Absolutely overwhelming the number of great places to race. And I want to get one more uh, script read in here before we dive into the the second hour. We've got uh, another hour and 45 minutes of drag racing conversation, guys. Click like, click share, subscribe to the YouTube channel. we got a whole lot left to cover. We haven't even touched on NHRA Arizona Nationals. Mike Salinas will be joining us any minute. And I want to remind you that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you. A cool thing that happened with Stroud a couple of weeks ago, new NHRA rule. And I don't know if this is across the board and I'm going to talk. Uh, I don't totally know what I'm talking about here, but I don't know if you guys were aware of this that there's a new NHRA rule where your pilot chute has to be, it can't be black. Like it has to be a bright color so that nobody runs over it. And if the track crew, you know, doesn't miss it, it has to be a, I saw a couple of guys joking that they were going to spray paint theirs like neon yellow or neon green. We, uh, but Stroud, our buddies at Stroud, they found out about this rule. Check this out. This is a great story. Found out about this rule. Got, you know, they've probably got some, you know, their ear to the ground. They got some ins in the world and they were made aware that this rule was coming down the chain, coming down the pipe. They bust out super sweet red pilot shoots. 
You can see them. Any, you can see them from the starting line. And it was just kind of funny to see a company react like that, react so quickly. And I know they've sold a whole bunch of them. So, hey, cool deal. Nonetheless, uh, guys, we, we got to talk about the NHRA Arizona Nationals. And the first thing that I want to touch on, how about that crowd? We got some wow. shots from the tower yeah, yeah. From, from, our, from our senior editor, Josh Hatchett, uh, who was out there in the, the media room with his uh, NHRA brethren. And it was like he was sending us photos. They were like 10 deep at the fence. Yeah. I mean, yeah. were you impressive. stunned? It's it was impressive. And I think because that was the first event since 2020, right? Or or they didn't even get a 2020 event. I can't remember. But it, there was a lot of. It had been two years, demand. I think. Isn't that, yeah, yeah. Isn't that what Josh told us? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it, there's a lot of pent up demand there. Um, that's, it's cool to see because we're always hearing about that place is going to be sold. It's going to be shut down. They're not going to have an event there anymore. Uh, so to really see those people come out in droves. And I just think NHRA is, is hot right now. They're on fire. I think they knew this going into, uh, the start of the season. We talked to a few people around there with all the momentum they have the Tony Stewart deal, all the new teams and the fuel classes, pro stocks, continued momentum, pro stock motorcycle, the whole deal is is pretty hot, and I think we're seeing that in Pomona and Phoenix. I think we'll continue to see that Gainesville, Charlotte, you know the the next slew of big races to come. But a uh, lot of cool stuff to talk about in Phoenix, and I think maybe we'll wrap up the end of the show with it. Uh, but some things specific to Top Fuel and Mike Salinas's win. Uh, we talk about the Top Fuel depth. Um, we got some notes here. This is who lost in the first round in Phoenix. Doug Coletta, who was qualified number one, Justin Ashley, Antron Brown, Austin Proc, Leah Pruitt, and then Schumacher Forrest Langdon go out in round two. And Torrance has not made a final yet. We talked about this, and it's only two races. And this guy's won four championships in a row. So we're not here to, to get on that bandwagon at all. But the increased competition and top fuel, we're already seeing it two races in. This shit's bananas, guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. Like, I look at this thing right now, and JT, you got to agree. Like, when has been, I don't, I can't remember a time really in my life, a lot of watching drag racing, man, that Top Fuel is, is as exciting as it is right now. I sent you a text. We had this big yeah. chain going, and everybody's chatting, and I sent T a text, and I go, dude, you got to, I mean, He's, you're a diehard radial guy, a diehard door slammer guy, and you've never really paid much mind to, to nitro racing. Right. And I can't remember. It was like halfway through round one. And I go, dude, this is legitimately you know, incredible. With, the, with the, all the different shakeups and stuff, I think that the NHRA, there's so many good storylines right now that it's hard not to pay attention. And this is you what know, we've because, been saying that they're because missing. It's like, they it's need. like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's what it needed. And it's, you got all these different storylines, so you're going to pay attention, and it's and it's it's great entertainment to watch, and it's something that sport needed, I believe. And if you you think about the quality of the show, right? I mean, right. one run after another, after another, after yeah. another, after another. I'm going, man, uh, we're probably going to need something to go wrong or something for somebody to bitch about because I don't know what anybody could say about what happened this past weekend in Arizona. The deal yeah. looked good from start to finish. It was we, great. It was an absolutely we've fantastic. Got some, we got some cool stuff too. I think some stuff maybe that you want to talk to Mike about the call out deal going into Gainesville. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen with that. And uh, just his performance on the starting line. We've got some notes about his performance on the starting line, uh, his consistency. Um, obviously we talked about Rob Flynn. Uh, those guys have been living in the three sixties uh, and let's see two, let's, 
Praise Rob, Rob Flynn. That team has been really good. Two wins in the last five races dating back to last season. And little tidbit that he credited Jose Gonzalez for his uh, improved performance on the starting line. I, I would like to know more about that. And here, well, let's do, let's do it right now because I can, yeah. I can, I think I'm about to make eye contact with the scrapper himself, <laughs> the one and only. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a rousing round of applause for one of uh, our favorite people to talk to, the one and only Mike Salinas. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, guys? Congratulations, man. Congrats, dude. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it a lot. My, uh, JT, throw him up on the top there. Uh, throw Mike in the basement. There we go. I want to be. I'm now, I'm now we'll the be second here in no most time important anyway, Mike. Right? I want to be on the same level as Mike <laughs> Salinas. That's like life goal is trying to be up there with this guy. Well, he can level high, higher now. Oh, yeah. He's, he's moving on up, brother. Well, hey, congratulations on a hell of a weekend out in Arizona. I, I did not know this. So, Mike, t take me through this, what you just said, and ask uh, Mr. Salinas about it because I was not aware of this. Well, this is something we got from Josh Hatchett, some inside notes um, that – you worked with or you credit Jose Gonzalez for working with you, your improved uh, reaction times and performance on the starting line. What's the story behind that? Yeah, well, Jose was, is and was training me, was and is training me on in the pro mod. And basically what we did is I didn't know how to drive a pro mod. Uh, I went out and darn near crashed the car the first time out, thought it was a regular car and, uh, I could hear people on the radio yelling yeah, at me, not. don't hit the brake, don't hit the brake, you know, turn, you know, and I had it sideways at uh, Orlando the very first time out and uh, Jose got the videos and he called me that night and uh, told me, I need you to look at the videos of me driving. I want you to do it exactly the same way and, and wow. I'll give you some tips and I'm going to train you because I don't want you to get hurt out there. And um, I thought that was pretty, pretty big of him and Jose be and I became really good friends and, you know, we're teammates. Um, so the basically the way it works is uh, he sat in my top fuel car and he saw what it, I was doing in there. And then he also sat in my pro mod and moved things around and told me this works for him and wow. for me to try it. And it worked. Um, I'm still, you know, learning how to drive that pro mod, which the biggest part for me is uh, he taught me how to drive it straight. Don't freak out. Don't get crazy. And don't touch those brakes. And <laughs> I, I, I cut some nice lights. I cut some nice lights and uh, won a few rounds and had some fun with the stuff. And I can only get better at it because uh, working with Proline Racing, the way they set everything up, it's just amazing. You know? I, mean, I got to say, dude, this is in, this is bananas. I mean, your lights in Arizona, 064, 065, 079, 063. Like, what's it feel like or how... You know what it does for me personally? It speaks to the problem-solving nature of business owners, right? You're an entrepreneur. You're a guy who's had to solve problems for a long time. And it's crazy to see you solve this problem because let's, I mean, let's talk turkey here. You were struggling. You know what I mean? Like that, you, I remember you telling me, I'm probably the weak link. I am the weak link with the te with the top fuel team. The car is killer. We go fast. We set records, and and you felt at various times that you were the one underperforming. And to see you have an about face like this, Mike, it's unbelievable. I mean, you're. I mean, I would just pouring through Drag Race Central right now, going, "You're the most consistent lever in the class right now." I mean, I know we're two races into the season, and I'm not trying to jinx you or anything like that. But this is impressive. I mean, this is a big time move, man. Congrats. Well, thanks. And, and, and you know what? My lights, so 
here's what I had to do this for this race in uh, Pomona. My brain works a little fast sometimes, so I slowed myself down because I ultimately want to be in the 30s and 40s. Um, and I and I proved I can do it last year, cutting 28s, 33s, doing all these different crazy things. But consistently, um, with Steve, um, I must have blinked or breathed or something because you saw the numbers. I would have been all my all my runs would have been in the 60s, 61, 60. Excuse me, 64, 65, 66, right there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I choked with Steve or something, but, um, and which I really didn't, but, um, it to take like what Antron's going to go through and Ron Caps are going to go through. Um, when you own the business, when you own all these different things, um, just try to learn how to turn your brain off. It's not as easy as everybody seems to think, you know, and, um, you are right. Jose worked with me. Jose talked to me and showed me some other things. And um, it really, really helped me a lot, um, quite a bit. And Eric Dillard also. Eric Dillard jumps Another in there. Another great so, driver. Yeah, so I have I have a ritual that I do in every car that I drive that Eric and Jose taught me, and I use that on every run to this day. Wow. I mean, and I'm just, I think it's really impressive because as I go through these round results, Mike, I mean, you're, you're pretty much the best lever amongst the best levers in the class right now. And I'm, I mean, and that's a class of an eliminator in drag racing that includes four-time champion Steve Torrance, you know, Tony Schumacher, a living legend, Sean Langdon, a, a, you know, an icon in sportsman racing, a champion in top fuel as well. Clay Milliken, one of the best to ever do it. And you're right there with them. It's incredible, man. And I, I just got to give you a lot of kudos for it because that's way easier said than done. I mean, you hear people say like, oh, you need to work on your lights. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit, buddy. I, I mean, we all need to work on our lights. But to see you put it into work, very impressive. I want to touch on something you just said. We've been having this discussion here a lot. As a business owner myself, um, I, I feel like I can relate to that. You think about this stuff day and night. Like I have a hard time sleeping sometimes because you're thinking about stuff or what's going to happen tomorrow or some big deal you're trying to get done. Is it going to happen? Um, let alone trying to get focused on race day. Let's touch on that a little bit because we're anxious to see ourselves here at Drag Illustrated. Who's going to rise? Who's going to be able to, to face the challenge of running a business, making this thing make sense on paper, making it happen, getting, making sure you all arrive there? Because you know what it's like. Half the battle is just getting all the stuff to the track. I mean, you've got a truck that broke down in Idaho or whatever. And are you going to be able to, do you know who to call? to get a rental truck, to get your trailer picked up, right? Those things all happen. And I'm genuinely curious if some of these guys that have dived into team ownership will be able to seal the deal. Do you agree that that's probably a bigger challenge than maybe most people are thinking it is? Oh, yeah, guaranteed. Um, you know, like last year when our trucks left Pomona, they're headed home. One truck blew a front tire. The aftermath of that, he didn't hit nobody. Okay, ruined the bumper ruined the hood ruined. for a blown tire, 15, $18,000 later. Um, you know, it, it, it affects everything that we're doing. That's 15 or 18,000. We could have spent on another case for a blower. Um, everything is dollars and cents in what we're doing. Um, that's why you heard Antron when he blew a motor up. Well, that's going to be expensive and uh, welcome to racing. This is what, this is what the guys that are doing this stuff. Antron's a great guy. He's going to prevail. He's uh, got a great mindset. Um, you know, it's easy to jump in a car and go drive. You know, Alan told me something one time. 
He goes, the rest of these guys don't have to do what you do every day. They get to go home and go on vacations and we get to go home and go to work, you know? And, and he goes, um, you know, it's, it's tough to turn this stuff off. And, and look, I sleep two and a half hours a night, seven days a week. I, I can't turn this stuff off, but I love business and I love doing what I'm doing. Um, I did racing because it was the only safe place that I could turn my brain off for a few seconds. And it was nice because, you know, it's really hard. And, and think about this. I have six trucks on the road right now, consistently. They're all running around the country and we're growing. I have my daughters coming in to more stuff and other, other teams coming, you know, same like Richard. Richard's got stuff all over the place. Okay. Think about this one. This is a good fun fact that hit me the other day when fuel prices went up. For me to drag all my stuff from Indy to Vegas is about 36000 on fuel alone. Okay. <laughs> Just fuel. That's what the low fuel prices. Now, when they go up, all the team owners, we're going to be spending about 50000 bucks for the same trip. You know? So all these little factors, your tires, your wear and tear, your this, your that, your hotels. I mean, add it up. You know, the sport is good. We're going to... This, this year will be the best year in drag racing for the fans and for us because it's 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 unlike what anybody has ever seen. I think that the playing field is even and it's awesome and it's really cool. I mean, no, I'm it doesn't. Forward. I mean, this I I mean, I've got I mean, here I go with goosebumps. I've got goosebumps, man. I, I heard there's a new term for it. Full body chills. FBC. I've got them. I mean, because it's it's an exciting time. I hear people all the time talk about like the glory days or I remember when, bro, we're in them right we're in them. now. We're in the glory days of drag racing. When I looked at that crowd, tell me about the, you, you've raced in a lot of different venues, right? You've been to some of these independent races. You and I actually met up at a couple of them and have bounced around a few times. I'm curious, what's it like rolling up in the water and strapped into your top fuel dragster and seeing a crowd like the the team at NHRA had assembled there in Phoenix. I mean, I, I know NHRA, everybody, my, all of us love to bag on them, but by God, that place was packed. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing uh, you know, Glenn Cromwell, all the guys, they're doing a great job. They, they are, they are, look, every, everybody behind the keyboard can complain. I, I made, I made some comments about stuff that I think I would change, um, but I'm just one opinion. You know, I, I do things a little bit different than a lot of people. I'm a longevity person. I want 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you know, and you have to start now to make that happen. But the biggest dream for me, um, it's like a little kid walking into, uh, you know, the stadium and you see all the people, okay? When they pull me around and I get to park, that was a dream for me that was, the, it was like, it awed me when I was able to see all the stuff that's happening and I'm the guy sitting in the seat and I'm, I'm lucky. Phoenix was full. I I was impressed with Phoenix, Phoenix, and I think that all our venues from here on in, they're going to be jam-packed because COVID. See, there's a window of opportunity. Everybody's been locked down on this COVID stuff all around the country. Um, now that we're starting to loosen up, everybody wants out. But here's, here, here's the opportunity. We have an opportunity to do something, and NHRA has an opportunity to do something because now everybody wants out. So... You need to start not thinking business as usual. You need to think, okay, what can we do to enhance? We have a little window of this, and then it's going to go back to normal if if, if we don't do something about it. I we honestly, have to like get this enthusiasm, like capture this enthusiasm, right? Like oh, there's no, a moment they, in time, they, there's a oh, wave, yeah. we got to get on it. Oh, yeah. Well, think about this one. Can you imagine every drag race being a festival? Okay. 
put a headliner from music. Um, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll put Garth Brooks out there. Let's bring a headliner in. Okay. Let's sell tickets, but let's do it during the day when the race is on. Let's find a venue where we can put up a portable stage, bring the guy on, bring in 20,000 more people that have nothing to do with drag racing. Integrate them with our people. Okay. So say a quarter of them stick at each race. That's how we're going to, we have to think outside the box with these different things, but everything has to be like a festival now. That's what people expect. I mean, you're out there on the West Coast. You've got daughters. Um, like the the music things that are the things that are thriving, the events that are thriving in the music space, Lollapalooza, Coachella, right? Yeah. The Electric Daisy or whatever they call it, Electric Daisy Carnival or whatever, the big EDM music festival out in Las Vegas that they have at the Motor Speedway. You're exactly right. You we're kind of unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we're we're beyond the day of people coming out. And, you know, there's still people that'll do it, but people coming out and hanging out at the drag strip from 6 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night. People have a short attention span. And if there's some downtime, you're exactly right. You got to get you got to find some other way to entertain them. And we've got to find a way to bring some people from different walks of life. That's why we've been proponents of like no prep kings, because when I go to those no prep races, Mike. I look around, these aren't the people that I see at NHRA races. These are not the people that I see at PDRA races. These are not hardcore race fans, but they've got a passing interest in it. They've fallen in love with some character on the show, and now they're coming out. So bringing all these people together has to be the goal, trying to grow our sport. Because that's I said this at the beginning of the show, and this is something, and again, I don't want to smack negative at all, but we have to shake loose of this survival mentality. I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. I don't want to maintain the status quo. I want to grow. I want to see the sport of drag racing grow. It's hard for me to get excited. And I think anybody, I mean, you're a business owner too, trying to make money. I don't want to, ha- I don't want to talk about getting by. I don't want to no. talk about keeping things the same. I want to talk about doubling down. I want to grow this son of a gun. And that's the mindset that we're going to need to embrace because you're right. There's an opportunity ahead of us. Well, can you imagine? Check this out. Look at all the associations. Look at all the associations that are going around the country, PDRA and all the different ones that we have. Can you imagine? So when I went to your your race, the World Series of Drag Racing, can you imagine NHRA, PDRA, all of them together at one time for one event once a year? That would be bring that would bring a crowd that you wouldn't understand, you know, and it and it starts on a Wednesday and you earn the right to be in the finals. Something like that. And I expected, actually, Wes, I thought you would do this already. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I've got an, I've got a, a concept for an event uh, that I want to, we, we pulled the, we pumped the brakes on the World Door Slammer Nationals this year, mainly because there were some scheduling conflicts where the NHRA had tightened that gap between Phoenix and Gainesville to a week instead of two weeks. We used to have a little bit more real estate to play with there on the schedule. And I don't want to, I never, I would have a hard time sleeping at night feeling like I had done something to detract from the sport. Yeah. I don't want to make people make a choice, right? I don't want to divide this group of people. Myself, this show, Drag Illustrated, we we want to be a galvanizing force. Like when we get together, our mission is to grow and build the sport of drag racing by bringing this group of people together because I feel, and this whole group feels, we can accomplish a lot more as a unified front than everybody off, you know, kind of serving their own purposes. And you're always going to have that to a certain extent, but I want to get this sport swimming in the same direction. Um, and that's why we felt it made a lot of sense to say, Hey, there's like 70 races in the first couple of months of the season. 
we don't want, we just had Ken Cartuccio on the show a few minutes ago, uh, a front runner in the door slammer world right now. And he was telling us that it's like, man, there's so many places to race. He ran 25 events last year. He didn't want to race that much. You're trying to run a business. You got a family, you got a good marriage. I mean, you don't want to just throw it all to the wind to run every race that's worth running because there's a lot of them. So to your point, uh, I will tell you that we've we've got some stuff on the horizon because I agree with you. I think there's a gigantic opportunity out here right now. Drag racing's hot. Never in my we've been in business for 16 years, and I don't know that I've ever been able to say out loud and actually believe it. I'm sure I've said it a lot, but actually believe drag racing's hot. Like yeah. our sport is hot, and that's an exciting thing, man. Well, you know, look, the powers to be, the powers to be in NHRA, they're, um, they're doing everything they can. Um, but you only know what you know. So here's what I do. When I have a leak at the house, I call a plumber. When I need a new roof, I call a roofer. Okay. When I have legal problems, which hopefully never, I call an attorney. <laughs> My car breaks down. If I can't fix it, I call a tow truck. That's what I'm saying. We have to we have to think outside the box and 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 the and the money part of this thing to what they're thinking of. It's uh, they're not they're not. I don't think they're seeing the big picture for what we can do. Can you imagine having a headliner, a Garth Brooks, a beer festival at the same time, and you're bringing fifty thousand people? You know, I don't know if anybody's ever sat and talked to Bill Bader. Bill Bader puts his night of fire on. Okay, it, it's amazing. It it's is amazing, amazing. Okay. And, and and that's once a year. Now, can you imagine that traveling circus go every year and every, every all year long, different place? Or how about this? A traveling Coachella. Think about that all around the country, you know, for the people that didn't get to come across over here to see it. You know, there's, there's other menus, but if, if you don't think outside the box and where we want to go um, this year, we're going to be just fine this year. Okay, where are we next year, the year after, the year after? Say we have the supply chain thing happen and we start slowing down on parts, okay? It's going to happen this year. I, I, I'm seeing it already with outside other teams. I had four racers call me today asking for our used parts, and they said, I don't care how bad they are, we can clean them up because we wow. can't get anything, okay? And this is only the second race. I talked to a guy the other day who scrapped two or three test sessions because he was worried about putting too many runs on the rods. Yep, exactly right. Um I got, I got, I got some cranks came in in Pomona, and I got offered from a racer, and I, I didn't take it. Of course, um, I did something else with him. I gave him some used stuff, but he offered me eight thousand dollars for a crank because he couldn't get one. He Holy needed crap. one, and I'm like, that's double the price of it easily. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. So I we 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 transitioned some of our older stuff to him, and he was fine with that, but. This is where it's going. And it, and look, we have to be careful. We have a lot of issues here. Drag racing is great. We're going to do good. There's a lot of people want to get out. But what's going to hurt us is supply chain, what's going on in the world. Um, it's going to affect us indirectly. You know, I mean, so if we, if, we, if we as a group collaborate and figure out how to do this stuff, I mean, it's going to make it a little bit easier. But we have to learn how to cut the cost of this because – what we get for winning a race is not even close to what we spend. You know, um, I, I don't have very many people sponsoring me. I have a few guys that help me and, it, and it, it's appreciative. Um, we're, we're actively looking for sponsors right now, partners to work with. We have a winning team. We have a, 
everything there to go do it. Um, you know, but we need some partners out there to help grow this thing. You know, we, I have, I have, I'm in four classes with all of our teams and we're growing. We want to bring in another top fuel car next year for Jasmine, you know? So we, we want to do these things this year, but there's a, there's a, there's a point where we can't continue to do it out of our own pocket. So we are actively, you know, chasing down corporate America, seeing where we can go, what we have to offer and what we can give them. NHRA is a good platform. They're doing a great job right now. Um, you know, just like everybody, they need a kick in the butt every now and then to wake up. That's all. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that they're in a fantastic position because they're surrounded by a bunch of really successful business people because virtually everybody that's in the pro pits owns their own business, small, medium, or extremely large business who have, who are problem solvers, right? Who have experience in different areas that they could lean on and leverage. And that's what I hope that there's, uh, I hope there's some open-mindedness out there in Glendora, California, as well as Brownsburg, Indiana, because that's what, that's what our sport needs right now, because the time is now, and it's not, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Mike, because I've had conversations with the guys a couple of times when they're like, man, we just want to try to get like 25. And I'm not talking about the NHRA, some other series. They're like, oh, we're trying to get 2,500 people or whatever. And it's like, you need to be thinking about how to get 50,000 people. 50, you, you, you need go. to be thinking way bigger. Cause even if you don't get that, if your goal is that low, or if your goal is to get by or how many people you need to get through the gate to break even, it's going to be hard to stay excited about breaking even. It might be okay right now, but to your point, three, four, five years from now, you're going to get tired of breaking even. You're going to want to see this thing move in the other direction, so you got to think bigger. Well, think, think about this. My number four daughter, Janae, uh, took over our social media. We were at, um, I want to say, 13,000 uh, um, followers on, on uh, Instagram. We went to 40, in, in less than 28, 32 days, we went to 20, uh, 40, 41,500, I think it was this morning. Um, she did three videos on, on TikTok. One of them got 13 million views. Okay, 13 million views for a guy strapping me in the car and making the car jump up and down. Mark, he's my gorilla that ties me in there. <laughs> but, okay, now that's the other part of this stuff. NHRA, myself, all of our different groups, we hired that kid to do our business, to do our social media for our racing, um, and she's doing an amazing job. Um, that's the future of where we're going because when people – when the, when the partners ask the sponsorship, people ask for um, your media package. The first thing they go do is look at your, how many hits you get. Um, what do you got going on? How many times do you post? Uh, you need to know the algorithms. You need to know all these different things. Um, and it's just not crazy posts. It's, it's what's going to enhance their business. You know, how is it going to work? You know, what demographics are you going after? Um, I sat down with um, a couple of guys that were interested in coming in and working with us. And to be totally honest with you, I kind of put them in their place because they said, we're going after this market. And I said, well, why don't we go after this market? You're going after this little market. I'm the guy that wants to go after the world. The world. I would rather do the world. Or let's start off with America. Okay. Right. If we can get America to pay attention to us, then we're, then we're doing great. But the social media thing. So right now, I think, and I talked to you a long time ago about this. Every driver should have people with headsets so we can they can see what we're seeing and they can watch their races on the phone. Okay. 
I understand NHRA is one of those companies that has to do this with people in the stands. But I guarantee you, if we do not change our ways, and my kids have showed me in my company, my values, my ways of doing business, okay, it isn't that way anymore. It, I, I got it. I got it. This is something that I truly believe is like a, a, a tenant of being successful in business. And I tell people, and this is, I mean, this goes back to like uh, the evolution, evolution of human beings. It's not the smartest who survive. It's not the strongest who survive. It's who are the most adaptable, who right. adapt. That is without question. It's not, that is the key thing. Who can adapt the quickest and in the most efficiently and the most effectively. And that's, we can't just do things because that's how we've always done them. That's the most dangerous words in the English language because that's how we've always done it. It's a scary thing. Well, think about this one. Simple, simple analogy. Remember when we first started off, we had pagers, right? Yeah. Okay. Who would have thought that our phones have like a computer? It has everything on it. They told me this years ago and I laughed at them. Although I was one of the first guys in my town to have a phone that I carried around with me and people looked at me like I was crazy because I was able to talk on a phone. Okay. I've been around a while. So think about this. If we continue to use those pagers, so most of the racing is still in the pages or the flip phone era. Okay. I'd agree. So we have to change that. Okay. Good example is my kids brought up a, a deal so we have a porter potty business for Porter Johns and Rental Fence. So my kid said, let me try something. I have this idea. She went on the internet. She put us on this program. You get a, you get a quote in 24 hours. We got a quote in 24 hours. We hit 700 people who applied and checked. 60% of them ordered porter potties. And we were like, we never even saw that market. And, I, and, and right there, I'm smart enough to say, my time is past. I'm backing up. Show me what you know. Uh, and, and, and they proved it to me. And this is what, what I'm talking about. Everything that we're doing is evolving and our sport is not evolving. The, the, I mean, realistically, it, it's a hundred and something thousand to run a race. Okay. We make 50,000. I really appreciate what they're doing. I understand the difference, but a golfer, the lowest paid golfer. Okay. Woman's sport makes a million dollars when they win. Okay. Yeah, and all they have to show up with is a bag of clubs. Here you go. And so all we got to do is you got it. I've been around 41 years in business for the simple reason is I take care of my customers. I treat my customers like gold. Um, we're, we have a garbage, garbage dumps. So they come in, they dump their trash, and we give them breakfast in the morning with uh, Chick-fil-A or, uh, you know, breakfast jacks, orange juice. We, 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 we do this, right? Those guys have been dumping here for 41 years, different generations of them because we take care of our customers. Um, we're, we're, our new facility will be open soon. It will be automated and there'll be a 24 hour, seven day a week trash dump station. You as a, a tenant will have a credit card. This is stuff that I thought of seven, eight years ago. You'll have a, a card where you push it in the deal, opens up the gate, you go on the scale, you weigh, you dump, you go out, it bills you or you pay right there. With a credit card, nobody in the office. Yeah, yeah. All it just and and we're gonna double. We're gonna double our volumes. We're gonna double everything. And that and those and that product, we're gonna move all over the country. That's what our goal is. You know, I, I 
you have to evolve. We as a sport are not evolving, you know? I agree, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get we're, there. We're headed in the I feel like for the first time in a long time, it's headed in the right direction. And this is a good segue into something that I'm genuinely excited about. And I kind of got clued into that I think you're excited about. I, I agree with you. I don't think the numbers are, are where we want them to be ultimately. But a huge step in the right direction for the NHRA has been this NHRA all-star call-out shootout deal coming up at the NHRA Gator Nationals. Um, I actually, that's probably my favorite race. I God love the U.S. Nationals. God love the, the the finals. There's a lot of great ones. Bristol, I mean, there's so many good ones. But man, the Gator Nationals are really, really incredible, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm looking forward to going, and I was glad to see the NHRA step up and do something to really make this event stand out even more so than it already does with this all-star shootout deal. Uh, I, I made Mike, can we bring Mike back on the show real quick? Because I think Mike knows all the details. Mike, can you real quick run us through the details of how that shootout's going to work? Because I don't know off the top of my head, and I think you did you did the homework this morning. Yeah, it's uh, actually based off of um, qualifying from last year and the championships. Actually, I think it, it continues through this year as well. And so Steve Torrance being the champion from last year is the number one seed. Uh, Brittany uh, Force is the number two seed. I've got the rest of them. Here, let me dig back in my notes really quick. Uh, then it goes to that. then it goes to Mike is uh, is number three. Justin Ashley is number four. Antron is number five. Leah is number six. Doug Coletta number seven. Sean Langdon number eight. So starting with Steve Torrance, he can call out any one of the other seven drivers for his first round matchup. Then it goes to Brittany. She can call out whoever, as long as Torrance doesn't call her out. Then it goes to Mike. He gets to take his pick of who he wants to race in that first round. So Mike, my question to you, Salinas is, do you think anybody's going to play along? Are we going to get some, cause that's the biggest issue with these NH. This happens sometimes the NFL or the NBA or whatever. They try to do something cool and they can't get the participants to play along. Do you think, I mean, are you going to play along? Or are you going to give the opportunity? Are you going to call somebody out? Oh, guaranteed. I know I, I got a pretty good idea who I'm going to call out. And I'm also bringing cash because I want to bet. I want to, I want to make it interesting. I want to bet. I mean, I, I, I've man. been to your races. No, no, I, you know what? And, and, you know, what's kind of cool. Okay. Sean Langdon, there's an article where he he's talking about, I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to call me out, but I'm going to make them pay. <laughs> I love that. You know, that's right. Cool. It's Sean, good. Right. That's no, what we it's need. Good. It, it, we do need. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd like to have a brawl with everybody. This is cool right there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, you know what? We'll do it on the track. But it, it's it's going to be fun. And uh, and the cool part is, like, look, everybody's talking about Steve and Brittany having a rivalry. Uh, you know, um, you know, Alan Johnson's over at uh, you know those other guys' deal. There's a lot here. It's really exciting, you know, and it's good. Um, Doug Coletta, me, this, that. Uh, this other person, Antron, you know, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, think about this. Okay. Um, all the different players, everybody changed and it's part of the business. Okay. We're all civil. We're all good. But when it comes to this stuff, we all want to win. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know who I'm going to call out yet. I have a, I have a good idea who I'd like to um, because uh, you know, it, it's, I don't forget anything when people do things to me. <laughs> and, and and like like uh, Sean said, I want to make them pay. Well, it's I funny. Make them pay. 
because like it, you're a really nice guy. Oh, say go ahead, Mike. Well, I was gonna say, are you thinking more? Is are those first round callouts going to be more strategic as far as maybe who's struggling right now versus who's hot, or is it someone like, no, I've had it out for you for five years and I'm coming after you right now? Well, think about this. Here's the here's the part. We got to race them all. It doesn't matter. There is nobody a slouch in the in the class. I mean, it, it's sure somebody may be struggling right now, but. The minute that you drop your guard and you think you got an advantage because that person has struggled at the last race, it's going to bite you. There is nobody. Okay, Steve Steve blew his tires off when he raced me. Now, do you think Steve Torrance is going to blow his tires off in the shootout? No, no way. That guy's coming to fight. He's a badass driver. He's good at what he does. Great team behind him. Look at, look at Grubnik. Same thing. He, he'll go out there and he'll pull a rabbit out of his hat. I mean, it, this is good for the sport. It's really good. I mean, I just hope more people. I want to bet on this thing, man. I'm just like I'm. I think they what? should make it man. I almost yeah. made it mandatory at the World Door Slammer Nationals because that's what you're referring to when I we brought everybody down on the starting line and, yeah. and we we made everybody draw names out of a hat to find out who they were going to run. And uh, I remember J.R. Gray and Jeff uh, Jeff Jones agreed to bet some money. I think they bet. I think they bet on every marker, sixty foot. From the starting line to the finish line, whoever's ahead every every bit of the way. And it was awesome, and it gave us something to talk about. It gave the announcers something to talk about. It gave us something to talk about for years and years to come. And I'm just glad to hear that you're willing to play ball because one of the things that I had a television producer tell me this one time, Mike, they said drag racers are like too nice for their own good. Like you go to these events, and everybody's like your, your uncle. I mean, everybody. You know what I mean? Like Mike Salinas is a great guy and this guy's a great guy and everybody's fun. And I mean, you're a family man and I, I've seen you interact with your kids and your wife. And I, I know you're a good natured, good guy. But like you said, when it comes to this shit, I mean, we want to fight about it. And I think we got to oh, yeah. get people to be OK with it because, you know, I know what was it, Mike, two years ago that Steve Torrance pushed Clay, uh, pushed Cameron Foray. Yeah, and everybody got up in arms with it. Yeah. Right. Everybody two was burning, ago. setting him on fire on the Internet. It was horrible. Yeah, and on I our actually, end, we were kind of like, hey, we, we kind of need I called him and congratulated him. Yeah. Like, listen, I, I know Cameron Ferre. He's been on the cover of Drag Illustrated. I, I'm a big fan. But, man, we need those moments. We need the fans at home or the fans on the property. We have to let them know how much we care. Because yeah. if we act laissez-faire about it, if we act like we don't care, well, on to the next race, guys. Then yeah. they're going to treat it that way. But hearing someone like Mike Salinas go, I, I just as soon fight for it. That's awesome. Or that this oh, whole yeah, deal yeah. is going to be based on rivalries and not performance. That's what we want to hear, and that's what we need. That's what NHRA needs, and I hope everyone else takes that same approach that you are. I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting, um, and, and nobody's saying who they're going to pick or any of that stuff yet because um, we all really – we have an idea, all of us, but, um, you know, to be honest with you, okay, I want to beat them all. Don't care. First guy I lost to was Tony Schumacher. I wish he was in the countdown because I would pick him. <laughs> I want to beat him. I cut a light on him and I pedaled it at the end because my car broke loose and he beat me at Sonoma. First guy I ever lost to. And he was the champion at that time. And I'm like, I mean, Tony, I want to beat him. I want to race him. You know, I'm going to go drive a pro stock motorcycle, beat my daughter. I don't care about the rest of the stuff. I want to beat my daughter. Same yeah. with the APO car. I'm going to drive the McPhillips' car one day just so I can beat Jasmine. You know, <laughs> I don't care, you know, what the rest of the stuff. I want to beat people that beat me because they set the pace. You know, it, it's kind of cool. But well, you see that right. in the UFC, like guys that have like they're the reigning champion, 
right? And they've and you ask them who do they want to fight, and they almost always name somebody that beat them early in their career. Like, yeah. man, I'd sure like another shot at so and so because I would whoop that ass now. And it's like we need some of that, man. And I appreciate you. I hope you know it, and we mean it when we say it. Thank you, because so many of the people in our sport. They own their own businesses, right? They're professionals. They, they have other careers. And it seems like they leave the racetrack on Sunday and they turn off race car driver. They're back to business and you, they can't be bothered for an interview. I literally had a conversation this morning with, I don't want to name names, but you would be blown away how many pro-level drivers turn down interviews, turn down media obligations, don't do it. And it's like, gosh, guys, I get it's a pain in the ass to get up that earlier. I know it's a, I know it's in the middle of the day, but this is the type of stuff that's going to take our sport to the next yeah. level. You think those NFL coaches want to face all those reporters after an ass whipping in the Super Bowl? No, but they know they have to. That's yes. part of it. That's how this thing grows. So I hope you know that we genuinely appreciate it, Mike. Not only today spending a freaking hour with us, but I appreciate all these interviews you're doing and everything that you're doing to help take the sport to the next level. I, I used to be one of those guys because I was so busy. I was so busy, but now I'm yours. I'm I'm open book. I'm ready to rock and roll. We're ready to do this thing and put in what needs to be put in. And look, what I do in racing is what I do in business. I I mean, you guys, if I told you some of the silly things that I do, you know, stay good with my lights. There's an old lady next to me this morning at a light, and I cut a light on her. I beat her off the line. <laughs> All day, every day. Everything is a, 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 I'm competitive more than people know with everything. Ask my daughters. They don't get to win for nothing with me, even since they were little babies. Um, my wife asked me to let them win. And I said, no, the world's not going to let them win. They need to earn the right to win. Okay. And look, so, you know, look at what we're going through. Okay. Um, everybody said I was done because Alan Johnson left. Okay. Good. Good deal for them, okay? Alan taught us a lot of stuff, did real good. He's over at Coletta's. It's just changing of the guards. It's it's what it we're happens. talking about. The flip phone moved to another place, you know? That's all it did. Now, now we got a little, you know, super phone. You know, we got it's just another thing. It's, it's part of evolving. We got to keep evolving on, on everything we touch and do. Well, you, know? you, t you mentioned one thing and we'll let you go. And I, again, I hope you know how much we appreciate your time, Mike. I know your time's valuable. And for you to spend an hour of it with us here on the West Buck Show, it, it, it means a lot to me and our whole team. So thank you. But yeah, one last thing. No problem, brother. There was one last thing. I got stuck in Qatar a couple of years ago with uh, the gentleman that's now your crew chief, Rob Flynn. How proud of him. I mean, because we talked about this at the beginning of the show. You were counted out. Let's be honest. Headed into this season, a lot of people were saying, we're writing you off, that that time had come and gone, right? How proud of Rob and all your guys, right? Because I know you maintained a lot of your crew, Aaron, um, a lot of your guys hung in there with you, but Rob specifically coming into this role with all that, all those naysayers and the pressure to kind of follow in the footsteps of Alan Johnson, I'm personally really happy for Rob to get this done for the car to run like it has. Uh, and for you to be doing what you're doing, or you've got to be over the moon for this guy, right? Oh, yeah. No, you know what? Um, I don't like bullies. I don't like people that trash on people, and, you know, they just uh, they don't understand what it takes to do it. Um, for Rob, um, you know, I was a little emotional at the top end because I was really happy for my guys. You know, this was – look, we didn't know how this was going to work. I know how I do things. I know how I set things up. Um all I know is 
if we follow the book of rule and we we stick and we have discipline for what we believe in, we're going to do really well. We have a good running car. We had a good running car with a good recipe when Alan ran the car. Okay, he left. Okay, I get that. Now, we're big boys. We have to get that recipe, and let's tweak it, and let's make it a little bit better. Torrance did it. I mean, he did really well with it after they left. Richard Hogan did an amazing job. Okay, um, you know, Rob, I am so happy for that man. I am so happy for him because he is hungry. I seen a 16, 17-year-old guy in his eyes, and we talked about this. That man is hungry, and I will tell everybody this. And I don't normally say anything like this. I said it once, and I will say it again. Be careful. Be careful with him. That man's going to whip your ass because you guys counted him out, and you're going to pay. I guarantee. That man's going to do everything in his power. I hired that man. He sat in that trailer. He's been on those computers over and over and over. I'll ask him about a run, and he'll know that run, what the settings were on everything. From the clutch flows to everything, he know, it has it in his head. So just that alone, he's hungry. And, he, and look, we didn't ask him to sit in the race car after we won. That man jumped in the race car. He's so proud of us. And like he told me, he goes, thank you for believing in me. And I go, you believe in yourself, right? And he goes, yes, sir. Okay. We all believe in each other. All my crew, I walked out of the trailer, and they were doing the same thing when Alan was there and Brian was there, the car is being prepped the same exact way. We never changed anything. So the odds of us having a problem are very rare. We are going to come across and we will struggle here and there, but it's how we survive. Um, the ideology and the methodology that, uh, you know, that they taught my guys, um, you know, Brian came over after the race and he was really happy for us. And he said, you know, the guys did really good. The guys did really good. All, a lot of the other teams came over. Aaron, this is his first race to win. I mean, second race as an assistant crew chief. You know how big that is for the sport? I mean, they should they should be doing a special on Aaron and these young guys because these are the guys. Rob's training them. Rob's teaching them. You know, um, a, lot of, a lot of owners, a lot of drivers called me and complimented me. Said, great job, good showing, good for the sport, perfect, you know. And, and that, that's, that was nice. That was really nice of them because, look, at the end of the day, and I'm going to say this going into the countdown. I mean, I'm going to say this going into that call out. We whipped all of their asses, okay? And I don't talk like that, and I don't normally do that. But it's call out time, so that's what we expect to do when we get there. And well, man, the same thing. I literally can't tell you. Thank you. And hell, you about had me crying. I've had goosebumps for a half hour now. I, I, and I agree with every single thing you said. To see Aaron Cave and what he's accomplished and how far he has come. Um, I mean, that was, he was a, a crew guy. One of, the, one of the many. One of many. Whenever I first met him, actually, when you were making your, your big, uh, your top fuel kind of as a top level guy a few years ago. It was the first time I encountered him. I think he'd worked for John Force Racing prior to that, joined your team. And to see what he has become, it's exciting, man. And to see someone as such as yourself be willing to invest in these younger guys. Um, I still fancy myself a young guy. I'm not as young as I once was, unfortunately. But um, I, I really appreciate it, man. And I'm with you. I think Rob Flynn, I remember when he was tuning J.R. Todd's pro-mod car whenever Alanabi was still a big powerhouse in drag racing. And I thought a guy that was willing to 
tune a top fuel car, tune a pro mod car. He was wi- he was willing to figure out any any equation that was put in front of him and do it at a really high level. Those guys are dangerous. Guys that are willing to to try something to take a chance. I think guys like that are dangerous, and I'm genuinely happy for Rob, and I'm genuinely happy for you, Mike. Thank you so much, brother. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you at the Gator Nationals, all right? right, Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Salinas. Woo! Dude, I want to take a minute here real quick and, and of course, thank Mike again for his time here. Very gracious with his time. This guy owns a multi-million dollar business and runs a top fuel team, an A-fuel team, a pro stock motorcycle team, and everything in between. Races pro mod, and he still spent an hour with us on a Wednesday afternoon. I hope all of you guys appreciate it as much as we should. And I want to remind each and every one of you, how about the timing with the the logo in the background, that the, the West Buck Show is brought to you by the team at Elite HP the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by Real Deal Drag Racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs, whether it's a turnkey pro mod, a set of pro jacks, or something in between. Our buddies in Fort Worth can take care of you. Log on to EliteHP.com to check out their entire inventory. Mike, JT, we're headed, we're well into hour three here. Let's roll the tape for our DI after hours and we'll take some questions from those our friends in the comments, all right? I don't think we have the tape anymore. Oh, I deleted yeah. it. Not bad. I deleted that segment. I mean, I would, you know. Well, I appreciate it. I deleted that when I was cleaning house I the other day. I started anyway. Did you start drinking already? I did. You know, oh, Mike I got mine. was so good. Mike was so good. I well, I've, uh, Lisa, Lisa brought me a little delivery in my oh, red line, line. Yeah. in my red line tumbler. You know, Mike Shout was right, Mark, though. Mark I, I, Beatty. I was listening to something, you know, he was talking about and the parody and how good everybody is. You know, Clay Milliken this weekend wasn't even qualified, you know, gets in at the last minute and then makes the finals. I mean, he's right. It, it's there's there's a lot of parody this year so far. And I'm telling you, man, and I don't mean to shortchange anybody's that's two efforts guys that no one had on their radar going into the yeah. season. We've talked about all these other guys, the young guns, new teams. And there's two teams that are independent teams that weren't on anybody's radar, so to speak, and just went right yep. to the finals. My personal opinion is that there will be a day in the future when we talk about 2022. I really will. I think we'll talk about the way our sport has the resolve the sport of drag racing showed uh, has shown throughout COVID. I mean, I've told this story many times. I remember rolling into the U S nationals with you, Mike, um, in 2000, what was it? 20, right. Amidst, uh, or 21. No, Uh, it was 20. Was it 20? Okay. I remember rolling in there and there's a national mask mandate. The NHRA has got a mask mandate and I go, drag racing is not going to, these people aren't going to wear masks. These are right wing conservative. They're, they're not going to fall in line like this. And I remember rolling through the gates there, getting my temperature taken and signing all these waivers or whatever. And I looked around and I saw all these people that I knew uh, are, are free thinkers that, that don't like to be told what to do wearing their masks because that's what they were going to have to do to go drag racing. And they weren't, yeah, they wanted to go racing. And that's how bad this group of people wanted to go drag racing. And I thought in that moment, this is just a microcosm. Like this is a small example of how passionate and dedicated the drag racing community is. And I think that we are reaping kind of what we have sown in a positive way right here and now. And I, I truly think there will be a time in the future when we talk about 2022. And I, I, again, I don't mean to shortchange any prior champions, but whoever wins the NHRA Top Fuel World Championship in 2022 
will be remembered for a long time to come. I think the same thing can be said for Funny Car and Pro Stock. I've got freaking goosebumps again. I'm going to have, I don't know if you oh can run God. out of goosebumps, I, but I've I got start, That's why I start drinking. Shut <laughs> up. Quit picking on me. You had yeah, to goosebumps I mean, so many times. Me but and JC were back man. here in the green room playing the drinking game. And, yeah. You know. Well, it's true, man. I mean, this is a unique moment in drag racing history where there are uh, innumerable front-running teams, and I think winning a championship this year will be something. It will be significant. It will be a legendary kind of accomplishment because some of the names that we, we were talking about, actually, Mike Salinas, who he talked about losing his first round of eliminations to, Tony Schumacher, how good is it for the sport of drag racing to have a multi-time world champion back in the mix, to have the Clay Millikens, to have Steve Torrance, to have all these guys, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta. God knows Doug Coletta's got a chip on his shoulder in 2022. He's finally got you know a super tuner behind him. There's no telling what that team is, will be capable of this year. It's just exciting, and I don't know that I've had... I mean, admittedly, I mean, I gotta admit it. I don't know that I've been excited about Nitro racing to this level ever in my adult life, man. Let's, it's let's never spoken notes. to me from phoenix okay uh, just to put a bow on that and kind of piggyback on what you're saying um we saw robert height two wins in a row he's perfect for 2022 we talked to him on the show and he mentioned in some other interviews he went back to his 2019 tune-up when they won the championship and they looked like they're out for blood this year too 380s all year uh that looks like the car to beat early on matt hagan number one qualifier first number one for tony stewart quickest racing. run since 2018 382 yeah. with a three and the a quickest huge, run huge in funny car too. i think it was like the fastest speed in a, in a year or more or two or something like that huge speed i forget what it was we just have the et note in front of us here um then uh full fields across the board um good momentum going into gainesville which is always one of the well, most and hey, there's a great race. there's a there's a great uh, segue here for us because I think there's at least 22 cars, pro stock cars, pre-entered for the NHRA Gator Nationals coming up in a couple of weeks. There's there's rumor that there could be a couple of more added. We could maybe see 23, 24 pro stock cars down in Gainesville. What about that class, man? I mean, another we've we've spent two and a half hours or two hours talking drag racing, and we're just now talking about pro stock, which seems which almost great. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Pro stock in itself, Camry Caruso winning her first round of competition. That was a I, I gotta be honest. The third woman ever they to win have a done pro an stock. outstanding job so far. It's I mean, really impressive, man. I mean, I can't say enough about what they've been able to do. I know people personally who have all but sold their soul to the devil to go pro stock racing and have success and to have them come out in their second race, in their first race and qualify, but win around in their second ever race and really look good, look like a contender. Either yeah. top speed in a couple of the rounds or, or close to They it, were right top speed at the, at the first yeah. race of the season there in Pomona. They were top speed, 210 miles an hour and change. Uh, a brand new engine program from Titan Racing Engines out in Denver, North Carolina. It's just really, really impressive. And I'm so happy for Papa Joe Caruso, Mark Caruso, Camry herself, just that whole group. They deserve Mark, Mark about this, tackled man. everybody on the line, I think. Well, I mean, how could... Who, <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I, I'm I telling you, man, Mike and I have had this conversation, but you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find a drag racer who hasn't dreamt about racing pro stock. I mean... That is a class that is a driver's class. It's crazy competitive. 
uh, it, you're extremely limited, narrow, narrow confines to operate in, right? 2,350 pounds, 500 cubic inches, naturally aspirated, must run gasoline, five-speed manually sh tr uh, shifted transmission, clutch operated. It's a narrow window there. And to go out and have the success that they're having, it's fan-freaking-tastic for drag racing because much like the situation that's existed in Nitro for the last couple of years, it would seem that you either had to be part of one of these superpowers, Elite Motorsports or KB Racing, to have a chance in hell of, of going some rounds or winning a race, let alone winning a championship. So to see Camry out there contending, it, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I, I want to especially mean something, like you said, Mark has fired up. Proud dad. He's been around the sport for quite a while. He knows exactly what it means. And not saying the Camry doesn't, but her relative youth and the way she's moved up so quickly through uh, these different classes, I think it's kind of helped her not be overwhelmed by the moment and not have so much pressure on herself. She's kind of a cool customer anyway, always even, and Mark is uh, much more excitable, but you can kind of see the family and the team um, be, get excited on the starting line and get fired up about it. And she's kind of like business as usual. I think, I think that's it's a good combination that's helped them. It's interesting because I remember my dad telling me like in this, I'm going to get some people pissed off here in a second, but I remember when I was a kid working at my dad's repair shop and we would, my dad built engines. Uh, my uncle WR actually would build engines for people, um, at Buck brothers. And it was a common thing. And he would always tell me like, man, you want someone to get in there and run your race car and not care, not be caught up with what's going on, not be staring at the temperature gauge or whatever, put, put a young woman in there. And he would just talk about how many examples there were because there, there's like ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of true. And, and I think that that's what I'm seeing in Camry. Not that she's ignorant. She's clearly aware of the moment, but I don't know that. She hasn't spent 40 years trying to qualify in pro stock. She's not jaded yet, right? She's in there just kind of along for the ride, right? She's doing, she's going drag racing, right? This is the car you want me to drive. This is the class I want to race in. And I think she's not in her head about it. I think me personally, I would have a hard I'd be time. So messed up. I, yeah. I mean, if you strap me into one of those things, I'd be thinking about. Golly, how do I measure up against Warren Johnson and Lee yeah. Shepard and Bob Glidden? And man, I know all these people who have tried and failed and all these people that have spent countless dollars, right? Burned millions of dollars trying to go pro stock racing. What am I doing? She just hops in that thing and acts like it ain't no big deal. And I think that's the secret weapon right now. It ain't no big deal. I mean, she in front just of a and testing's one thing, but then in front of a big crowd on TV, huge in crowd. Yeah, she's, she's never seen crowds like yeah, that. That's, I mean, that's a well, tough who deal. Has? That's a tough deal yeah. in any class. So yeah, let's talk about that all elite final round there. I mean, it's uh, the thing that I'm. I get it. We're two races in, but when I look at elite motorsports right now, it seemed they like in two, up their game. I believe they have. <laughs> in, if you look at 2021, those cars weren't qualifying at the top all the time. Right? right. They were getting solidly in the show and they were more focused on race day. And it, it would appear to me with the way those cars are qualifying right now, Aaron Stanfield, TJ Coughlin, they, they had some electrical gremlins from what I understand. And were kind of chasing the thing all weekend, but still managed to go to the final. Yep. Um, He'll get it one day, man. I thought oh, he that will. Was he's be he's this close. I, you I know, even but said on Saturday, TJ looks good this weekend. I, I thought it was going to be his weekend, especially when he made it to the finals. Whenever TJ, they made that run in Q3. Those moments are uh, underrated. People don't understand oftentimes the pressure that exists. When you're on the outside looking in, 
going into the final round and it's not perhaps ideal conditions. I mean, all these things, all these variables that exist in the sport of drag racing to see that group of guys rise the way they did uh, from TJ Coughlin on down, Kyle Bates, uh, Buddy, Kelly Murphy, uh, the the whole crew there. Especially the driver there, though, because yes, you, know, you realize what everybody has sacrificed to put you in this position. Yeah. There's you know, a lot of pressure and, and on him too. There is, There's a there lot is. of scrutiny on yeah. on him. He's Jeg Coughlin's nephew, right? right? I mean, yeah. like his his uncle is, I would say, arguably one of the best ever drag racing drivers. I mean, I, I Jeg Coughlin Jr. I think he's one of the best ever, best ever. And can you imagine operating in that shadow, driving a car, the yellow and black Jeg's car? Yeah, I mean, that, tough, that's man. a lot of pressure. And I think he's handled it extremely well. And this is going to be. I predict a breakout. Not that he hasn't had a breakout year. He's been in the mix, but I really see a breakout year uh, coming about, for TJ Coughlin. What about Stanfield? Stanfield, shit. I mean, a driver from hell, but he's got the car to beat, too. His 650 with a two on Sunday was the quickest pro stock run in two years, if you don't count Orlando. But if as far as actual NHRA competition, um, damn near dip it into the 40s. That That car is on rails right now. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's trouble, bro. First weekend too, right? Yeah. Yep, Aaron Stanfield that. looked good late last year. He's always looked good. What are we talking about? I mean, this guy was winning. He was in contention to win both the, the factory shootout championship and pro stock last year, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, and got the factory shootout to uh, a championship locked down. This is a guy that sees the tree a lot. He races a lot. He comes from a, 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 a generational drag racing family. He eats, sleeps, breathes this stuff. New father. He's young. Um, is yeah. he a new father? Oh yeah, yeah. he is a new father. Just Congratulations! Like, yeah, I like think I think during Pomona, right? I think that might like be right, right after, wasn't yeah. it? or right after, or like. Oh man, he's he's oh, en- yeah. he's enjoying getting away from the house. Yeah, no <laughs> wonder he's yeah, he's enjoying these w- days away from the race tra- away from the house right now. But you're right, man. Aaron Stanfield looks like trouble. Mason McGahey, his dad, Chris McGahey, looks good. Dallas Glenn. Uh, that what a deal that was, right? Car fell off the Projax yeah, or something yeah. and smashed his foot. He went to the hospital, got stitches, managed to Sounds come like back. It could have been a lot worse. Oh my I mean, goodness! I don't, I don't have any of the Good details. We saw him go red. I don't. Know, after that, I believe. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, he another contender, Kyle Koretsky. Um, I yep. thought, man, I was scared there for a minute. They had that issue where the car wouldn't fire last uh, in Pomona, and those teams like that—that's rare air. You, that's one thing that you see from those pro level operations. And honestly, I've, I've often pointed to this as the, the secret to some of Stevie fast Jackson's success when he goes outlaw racing is that pro level maintenance approach, that pro level preparation approach that a lot of those teams just, they haven't been there, right? Stevie has been there. He knows what it takes to race against world-class competition and KB racing. That's not a team that's going to have a car, not start very often. Same with elite motorsports. That's not a team that's going to have something fail or, or a car not start. So to see, I was worried there for a second because it looked like uh, Kyle's car wasn't going to fire up. Fortunately, the old girl filed, filed, fired right up and he got to make a run. But another guy that's going to be a problem all year long. It's exciting because I know that we've already had this discussion, but it's worth mentioning. We are not but a few years removed from people saying pro stock was dead. Truly. I mean, that was just a few years ago that everybody was trying to put the final nail in the coffin. And here we are. And it's it's probably the healthiest class in professional drag racing. And back to the fuel classes, short fields and fuel, uh, top fuel, especially looking like it was struggling. And uh, by Josh Hatchett's measure, we could have 13 or 14 event winners in the field in Gainesville. 
So it's not really? just yeah, it's wow. it's not only damn near a full field of past event winners. Uh, it, it's it's not just Ulcerans or, or fillers, yeah, who's, who's or leakers, right. whatever you want to call them. The whole field is nearly is all chock stars. full of, of past event winners. So, one of the other I mean, things kind of is, that, right? is at one an all-time yeah. high level. It's got to be. One of the other things Salinas was talking about was uh, social media and promotion and all that stuff. I had a conversation this morning with a guy, and we were talking about uh, – I was asking him what his impressions were two races in to the presence of Tony Stewart racing, right? Like we're two races in to a NASCAR Hall of Famer, a uh, NASCAR champion, an IndyCar champion, making kind of his full-blown presence felt in NHRA competition. And I asked if he, I asked if he had any takeaways, and he said, "Man, what I'm really seeing, and what I think we're going to continue to see from Tony Stewart, is the all the off-the-track stuff, the presentation, the 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 focus on the media, the video production, the production." Really the is press what he pointed to. Format. We even saw like a, a different type of press release format from those guys. Yes, right. After the you know kind of a quick hits deal, which we don't see. And uh, I, I thought that was interesting because he didn't say like, "Oh man, this guy's fiercely competitive and he's going to determine to win." He he didn't say that he's a guy that likes to qualify on the pole and that's the kind of mentality. What he told me is that he feels our entire sport, specifically the Nitro ranks, NHRA Top Fuel and Funny Car. Tony Stewart Racing is raising the bar as far as what's going to be expected from a media standpoint. Press press releases, social media, videos, all those type of things. He thinks that's going to be the biggest difference. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how that unfolds. I think there's going to be some opportunity out there because the pressure's on to, to put your best foot forward and look like, act the part, right? Look big time. It's time to look big time. Not that our sport hasn't. But now that we have all this momentum and we have, uh, we've captured some attention out there, we've stolen some attention, I think, from other motorsports and other sports in general, it's time to capitalize right now, man. I mean, I'm anxious to see. I really am. That with, to consider all these competitive cars that you just talked about and the fact that there's still room for growth, it's an exciting time to be alive. It really is. No doubt. I want to know, JT, what kind of shirt is that, man? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, is this like a Fresh Prince shirt or what it's, is what uh, is that? Golf Gods. Oh, okay. Golf Gods. It's, it's actually got, you know, like martini glasses, bar. It's got naked ladies on it. It's, I had it in my notes yeah. to like, reference your Redline oil hat. On it. Uh, yeah. It's Where's your Redline oil hat? The one you were wearing yesterday. It's in there. <laughs> well, I literally, I had it in my notes. Uh, Dude, comment. I would play nine holes at lunch. <laughs> Today? Yeah. It's You're nice not supposed to, to tell your boss that. You're not supposed to tell me that. What does it matter you, if I go eat or play golf? Well, no, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So. Is well, no nice wonder you didn't there? reply to my text message. I was no, like, JT, yeah. are you back from lunch? And he didn't reply because well, he was golfing. Well, JT is, is two, two to three hours. So, you know, you got to give him a, a good It is there. not that long. It's a <laughs> solid hour, though, right? Yeah, you got to get mayonnaise, ketchup, ranch dressing, sour cream. I'm all about condiments, y'all. I mean, yeah. like, you know, like he's big on comments. Yeah. You got to mix it. And, yeah. And you uh, have to JT, yeah, so do we have any cool comments? Degrees. Do we have any cool questions that we can touch on? I was going through my notes. I, I knew we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the a lot sport. of talk about I'll, I'll run through a couple. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. A lot of talk about the auto week article with Salinas. And I think he touched mm -hmm. on that. But the, th the other thing I want to say about Mike and, and kind of his response to that article, um, he's excited about NHRA and about drag racing right now. Um, We've got to seize the moment. 
but the future is really what the concern is. What happens, like he said, next year, the year after that, the year after that, the year after that. We but it's also I'm going to probably piss somebody off with this, but quotes can so easily be taken out of context. And right. I got to tell you, as someone who's made my living writing stories for 16, seven, like longer than that, almost two decades, it's so easy. If you you can lead someone down a path, you you can you can accomplish whatever. I mean, look at the news media right now. I mean, if you turn on Fox, they're going to say they're going to take the same quote and make it mean something here. You change the channel to CNN, they're going to take the same quote and make it mean something there. It's Absolutely. a very, very tough yep. Uh, thing to contend with. And I think it's great that he's willing to be vocal. That's what we need really out here. And you can tell he's made a huge investment, huge investment in the sport of drag racing. He's hiring guys. I mean, that's some of my, that was probably my biggest concern during COVID. Man, what's going to happen to all these crew guys? And when the world comes back around, what are we going to do? Because I was scared that we were going to lose, a lot of these guys were going to lose their jobs. You know, they were going to go off, get a job dr driving a truck, or they're going to get a job doing something else. And when the world kind of turned back around, all these race teams that had let all their good guys go, we were going to be struggling. And it was guys like Mike and, and many others uh, that kept their guys on their payroll and kept people employed. And it's really important. And I think we're kind of, we're, we're, reaping the award the reward of that right now man what other questions did we have in the comments anything we just saw juicy? this right here that the no prep king rules came out and they've added weight to the pro charger cars imagine shocking yeah man what can you say about the pro charger combination i mean that deal has it's the new screw blower is really what it is wherever the pro charger goes right now it ruins everything and i say that in a positive connotation like that's not a negative thing but i remember it used to be Turbos, wherever the turbos show up, they end up dominating. You can't slow them down enough. Uh, screw blowers, same story. Wherever those cart, wherever they're allowed, they tend to upset the apple cart. But right now, man, Pro Charger across the board, uh, a dominating force in the sport of drag racing right now. Do you, what do you think, JT, the goal is with that? They're trying to slow down specifically Ryan Martin and a couple of those guys and make sure the, the nitrous combinations. Uh, Mike, you're close with the, the Musi camp, Pat Musi. What's been their take on that? That's probably going to be music to Pat Musi's ears. Yeah, I'm sure he's happy about that. I just think it, it probably comes down to consistency too. I think that the nitrous cars, we've talked about this a lot, have to run it on the edge to compete. And I just think that in that, in that world, that consistency rules and Ryan Martin won a championship, basically just getting on the track uh, time after time after time uh, and being one of the quickest cars out there. He's pretty well I, dominated. I see it. I time. see it kind of you know, mirroring. Like, I think that they're going to keep an mirrors. eye on what they do in NHRA. So I, th I think, you know, kind of mirrors what's going on over there if, in pro charger dominated there as well. Um, it, it makes sense to me. I don't know what the details are as far as the weight or yeah, I don't uh, either. anything. Um, we probably won't get those. Kevin may know in here, but those exact details. I did see. I'm look. I kept. Looking they did back have winners. Yeah, another. Kevin. Kevin states here in the in the comments. Uh, no prep kings had winners with every power adder. They did last year. So that that's and that's good. I don't think know? the parity is is yeah. that far off in that class. And I think everyone is the tracks is equalizer happy. there. Yeah. So you know. I want to close with this. I know we're, uh, I want to, one last uh, time, I want to thank everybody for being a part of this. We, we say it every week, but we mean it. Your involvement, your comments, your, your likes, your shares, your subscribing to, uh, to our channel on YouTube, it makes all the difference. And we really appreciate that you guys are a part of this show. We, we joke that this is Drag Racing's water cooler. Every Wednesday, we all meet up at, uh, at the wa water cooler to talk shop and tell stories. And we genuinely appreciate each and every one of you guys for being a part of it. Thank you very much. But it's funny, guys, because there's a 
a fun way for us to kind of end this 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 episode of the show. But it's a little bit concerning because I just pulled up NHRA.com and clicked around for a few minutes, and there are 11 Pro Mod cars entered for the NHRA Gator Nationals. How alarming is it to y'all that, I mean, if you think back four or five years ago, the tables, it was it just shows think, you that everything changes, right? Now we've got more top fuel cars, funny cars, and pro stock cars than we hardly know what to do with, yeah. and there's 11 Pro Mod cars entered for Possibly the Possibly even fewer. We saw today Lyle Barnett um, uh, made a post. His sponsor for Gator for uh, the Gator Nationals is not so going to come to fruition. Car, yeah, Lyle's so, your man. And I don't know what, what he had planned for that or what was going on with that, but that's concerning. I mean, Lyle Barnett is one of the more visible uh, stars in that class going into 2022. And there's and some names on this list, there. Mike, that there's some names on this list for the NHRA Pro Mod Series uh, first season opener that we haven't seen in a hot minute. I mean, Tyler Miller, son of Russell Miller, who owns oh, Darlington yeah, Dragway. Yeah. Russell is a wonderful human being, and Darlington Dragway is obviously an iconic facility. His son is returning to competition. He's going to be driving a second car alongside Ricky Smith, Tyler Miller, uh, Sidney Frigo. Uh, we missed Sydney via through most of the COVID crisis, most of the co uh, global pandemic, because international travel was so difficult. I see Sydney's name on this list, and you think about, you know, Jason Scruggs is on this list. There's obviously some familiar faces: Ricky Smith, Doug Winters, Jose Gonzalez, your reigning champion J.R. Gray, Justin Bond, who really made his presence known in 2021. Uh, Jericho Baldoff uh, will be there with his uh, 69 Chevelle, but man. Lyle really on that list lyle's actually not list? on the list oh, okay. you know right. so i mean i guess that's a good and bad i mean i certainly want to see his name on the list but the fact that it's not um and there's 11 cars it's just funny how one thing you can always count on right things changing things yeah. changing we'll, we'll see man i think that that's been the concern that's the one spot where we're well hey and at. i just got a text from from mikey from mike salinas and he'll be there at the gators running pro mod so thank god okay. for that so that's that's 12 cars but it really just does tell you how things change and it's interesting because we spent the first hour of the show today talking about how hot pro mod is the nhra is going to have to address this i really do and i don't think the answer is racing eighth mile i really don't think i think it's a short-term solution potentially but I don't think it's the, I mean, to go back to what I can't, I can't, it would just look no, freaking it, awful. It would look in, awful in, in front of that. And you know, everybody, everybody else running is on that list. A thousand right? and a quarter. Was Stevie on that pre-enter list? No, he's actually not on this list. Okay. So Stevie Jackson, surely he's going to be there. Um, so that's 12, 13 cars counting Mike Salinas and, and Stevie fast, but still very concerning. And I don't think it has to be this way. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it because I don't know if it's payout. I don't know if it's treatment. I don't know if it's a combination of the two. I don't know if it's, uh, what's the other word? Um, publicity, you know, not being a part of the main TV show. I don't know what it is, but something's got to happen quick, fast, and in a hurry, man. Because you look everywhere else in our industry, ProMod's the strongest thing going. I mean, if yep. you look at the Snowbird Nationals, they had 50 cars. They were turning people away. Uh, the U.S. Street Nationals, I think over 60 Pro Mods were entered for that. The PDRA seems to be birthing new Pro Mod cars in Pro Boost and Pro Nitrous. Uh, there's so many of these cars. We see people building new ones. Mark Mickey, longtime supporter of ours here at Drag Illustrated, Eminem Transmission. Shout out to some of the real deal OG homies. Uh, they just brought out a brand new Pro Mod car, or at least good news. Looking good looking. It is good looking. Picture. And I, I love that. Not even blue. like blue, but 
wow, that's that thing looks good. Right? I'm an anti-blue guy. Jason Carter. I, I love Jason Carter, and I love that legendary Chevy Malibu, 221 miles an hour, every little bit of it. I love that car. But I'm a no-sell blue is what I call it. I Me mean, too. you want to have something sit on your lot for 16 years, paint that old girl blue. Um, but that baby, that light blue, it's called something. I can't think of it. But light blue with the white hockey stick stripe, really good-looking car. Mark Mickey's new ProMod car from Larry Jeffers, that thing is good looking. We saw Craig Miller um, behind the wheel. Not Craig Miller. Craig Miller is an old outlaw 10-5 guy. Um, Craig Woodrow. Sullivan um, behind the wheel of it this past weekend in Valdosta. But, I mean, ProMod cars seem to be coming out of the woodwork, yet 11, 12 of them are slated to be at the NHRA game. We're actually going to dig into this. They didn't listen to the drivers, though, you know, when, yeah. when they were voicing the concerns. I mean, We've got a I mean, piece we'll, coming out. We've got an online-only piece that we're working on right now. It's going to be out before Gainesville sort of exploring this topic, talking to some key players, a little NHRA Pro Mod preview. So stay tuned. We'll drop the link in here. I'm sure it'll be out by next Wednesday. And uh, check it out. Maybe we'll have some feedback on that. Well, and Mike Salinas just texted me as well. He goes, man, they got to quit picking on those Pro Charger cars. Give the other <laughs> guy, you know, try to speed the other cars up. And I think there may be That's some... What we were just talking about. One of the issues, something that happened, and I know that I mean, honestly, I think the writing was on the wall. We had our race down in Orlando, and we saw Justin Bond go out and set the world record, right? Make the quickest run ever in a legal pro mod car. And there was like three rule changes. Well, they did nothing initially. Well, it goes back. Everyone went to the Pro Charger, and then it's the combination to have, and it's kind of running away. And then you put rules on them, and now you're slowly losing those guys. It, it goes back to you can't make You can't make allowing, three, four rule changes in no, one season. It, it, and when it, it, they were too... Uh, they were allowed too much ground to start. Too generous, too early. Too generous, too early, yeah. Too generous, too early. And I think that they're paying the price for it now. And, I mean, it, it, it feels like there's a lot of opportunity right there. I've always looked at the NHRA Pro Mod Series as being kind of like the final frontier for fast door slammer racing. Like, that's, that's where you want to be. That's who you want to race against. That's the, that's the series that you want to be a part of. But I think there's some fault to go around. I mean, I look at last year. They didn't have a banquet. That that chapped my ass, man. I don't know why it upset me. I, I'm a banquet guy. I, I know that sounds silly. <laughs> not a um, buffet guy, but a banquet guy. I'm not yeah. a buffet guy. I'm big. I'm not big on buffets at all. It's I don't need that many things in troughs. But <laughs> I, I'm I am a banquet guy. I think these men and women deserve to be celebrated. I des they they deserve sure. an opportunity to to. Uh, see their name and lights and walk up on a stage and get treated special. I think they deserve it. And I, I, I get frustrated when I see racers not participate. It pisses me off every time I go to a banquet and I see number two, three, four, five, six, or whomever not show up to the banquet because man, these things are for you and you can't want them and then not show up for them. You can't have it both ways. And it's frustrating because I was so shocked at the end of last season. I was waiting for some pictures or some video footage or whatever from the NHRA ProMod Banquet. Well, there wasn't one, you know, and how how do you get guys excited about, you know, being the one that collects that check or grabs that trophy if, if you're not celebrating them, you know? So anyways, it's a very interesting situation that I can promise all of you that we here at Drag Illustrated will keep our eyes on as we move forward. Guys, is it time to wrap it up? Are we out of questions? I think so, man. I mean, All right, guys. Let's pull the shoots. I do With want the to... New uh, Stroud orange uh, pilot shoot. Oh, yeah. Stroud, they're yeah, red. Stroud makes them red. I okay. want to do one more script read uh, and, and shout out one more of our partners here before the end of the show. 
The West Buck Show is brought to you by FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing, the world leader in sports live streaming. Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out 13 just went down last week, uh, as well as Sweet 16, No Mercy, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA National Event Tour, the Funny Car Chaos Series, World Cup Finals, and the Fast Approaching. It'll be here, but it'll be October before we know it, November before we know it, the Street Streetcar Super Nationals out in Las Vegas. So, Log on to flowracing.com slash drag illustrated and sign up. Make sure that they know you sent uh, we sent you because what they're doing for our sport is truly we cannot overstate it. It is so amazing. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. The fact that you can watch live drag racing on your iPhone, your Roku, any smart internet connected device, it's a pretty cool time to be a part of the sport. So, guys. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time. I think this was a hell of an episode. Huge shout out to Ken Cartuccio. Also to Mike Salinas for being a part of this. Mike gave us a bunch of time, man. I didn't expect to get that much time with Mike Salinas. And thank you guys, dude. This was a good one. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That was an awesome one. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Remember, the West Buck Show is live every Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Log on to dragillustrated.com for all sorts of drag racing news, inside information, and everything else. And log on to dragillustrated.com to subscribe to the greatest drag racing magazine in the history of the known universe, Drag Illustrated. Thank you, guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Oh.